Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Hello, hello, everybody. Natalie Cutler-Welsh here. Welcome back to another episode of the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio, where it's all about courage, connections, confidence, and community. If we haven't met before, I am a speaker and author, a human design and business coach, and a wellness warrior. I also love talking about love, and today we're going to dive into just that. It's Fabulous Friday today, or maybe it's a wonderful weekend if you're listening to the replay. And we're going to talk today about empowered relationships. I have three amazing guests lined up for you today. This week, we're going to be chatting with divorce and separation coach, Kimberly Sweeney. We're going to be talking to Vaynan Jacobs from Family Life and author and coach, Jacqueline Richards. But before we do that, I normally do my What in the World and Bucket List Busters segment now, but we have been getting so much feedback. I think it maybe is since we added this new texting feature. So if you've got feedback for us or some comments or some kudos or whatever it might be, you can email in inbox at realitycheck.radio. But what most people are doing is they're texting. It's a free text. You simply just text 2057 and then send it our way. And I just would love to mention a few of the amazing people that have been messaging us. And I also love it when you say where you're messaging from so I can do a shout out to your town or your city. So thank you so much. We've got a message here. And it's from Katerina. And she says, please continue to stress to parents and grandparents to open the conversation with their extended families and ask schools exactly about sex ed, health ed, and social studies. Yes, Katerina, I totally agree. And I'm very excited to be doing a future episode where we're really looking at keeping our kids safe and we're looking at the, the school system. So we'll be diving into that as well as truancy and such, um, absenteeism, which isn't always kids skipping school. It's sometimes kids actually, their health is in decline. So we're going to dive into that too. Um, another message here. We've got a message. It just says from D. What was the book you mentioned? The first time I've got to your show, it's great. Okay, the book that I mentioned last week was called The Big Five for Life by John Strzelecki. And you can just Google that and you can probably get the ebook or the real book or get it from the library. It's amazing. Another message here. Thank you so much for writing in. Um, we've got Jen saying, love, love, love up your brave. So inspiring, so thought-provoking, and so nice to feel I'm not alone with my questioning everything about mainstream. Thank you, Jen, for writing in. Number one, taking the time. Number two, having the courage. Um, we do love your positive feedback. And also, more than that, I love that we help you to feel like you're not alone because you absolutely are not. And as more and more people are waking up to what's going on in the world, you are even less alone by the minute. So thank you so much for writing in. And of course, we've got a beautiful message here from a woman named Marie. And she says, I love your interviews. Sonia Cortis is my daughter. I felt very proud. I have had lots of friends and family that listened to the interview, and they now have started listening to RCR. Thank you to all. So everyone, I would love you to just encourage um, your family members, even if you pick one specific replay, it doesn't have to be my show. There's so many other amazing shows that you can mention or make it easy for people. Send them the exact link um, and people will get on board. I saw a friend the other day and she had her earbuds in and she's out power walking. And she just said she's absolutely 
addicted to RCR listening all the time and really opening her eyes because she basically has done a 180 on her perspective on all the things. So if we can help people to just be empowered, that really is what it's all about. So on that note, we're going to dive in to today's topic where we're talking about relationships. First up, I've got Kimberly Sweeney and let's do it. Let's dive right in. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and I am thrilled today to be diving into the topic of relationships. This is one of my favorite topics. For those of you that don't know, I actually started out as a parenting author and podcaster many, many moons ago, probably 10 or 12 years ago. Um, And so I'm a big, big fan of learning how we can keep the love alive um, or not. And in the relationship realm. And today I'm so thrilled to be talking to my amazing friend, Kimberly Sweeney. She is a beauty therapist. She's a divorce and relationship coach and also a mother. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. Hi, Nat. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so thrilled to dive into some of your knowledge today because it's been a trying time for so many people on so many levels. Friendships, yes. But today we're really going to focus on uh, relationships in terms of partners, spouses, etc. So for those of you that haven't met Kimberly before, um, Kimberly Sweeney uh, is an internationally certified CDC divorce coach. She was in fact the first coach of that um, certification in New Zealand from since 2015. She's been helping people for eight years in the realm of relationship and divorce coaching. And she often talks to people about, should I stay or should I go? So Kimberly, I'm thrilled to be talking to you about that today. She's trained as a level two Gottman relationship coach to help guide her clients with the tools required to stay and try to make it work. Along with that, she's done a lot of conflict communication coaching. So Kimberly, we're so thrilled to have you and your your extensive skills here on the show today. Um, First of all, I'd love to just ask you, how has it been for you the past three years, both in your business and also from a more personal family level? Mm, good question. Um, it's been an intense three years. I think probably many of us can agree with that. Um, from a business level, uh, I had to close my beauty salon down completely, and I had a lot of decisions to make on whether I reopened that or not. Um, but the divorce coaching business, you know, just kind of rolled kind of into morphed into something bigger than I ever anticipated it would be so in a way it was a good thing for me to be able to still access clients through zoom and work with them during what was a very tricky time for relationships or for the divorce coaching side of things as well and luckily they could access me still you know from from their homes on phone or zoom over that time so yeah it, it was kind of a there was two sides to to my businesses that were affected quite differently, which I was just, I suppose, grateful and lucky to have two very good businesses that one could prop up the other in that time. Personally, it was it was challenging not only from that aspect of it, but also from a co-parenting aspect of it. I am separated myself, which is why I became a divorce coach, and um, we've been twelve years co-parenting, but probably 
those couple of years of the pandemic were two of the trickiest years of our 12 years because we looked at things quite differently and um, my daughter's getting older and more reclusive in that time and and so trying to move between bubbles was very challenging for her and I had to kind of step up and and support her emotionally a lot over that time and I think many of our children their their mental health and their well-being suffered with the pandemic so it was on a personal level, very, very challenging for our family. I mean, thank you for acknowledging that. I mean, it's it's been a really tricky time for so many people. And I, I'd love to share if now that you've been through it, I mean, obviously you're still in it in terms of co-parenting a teenager, but do you have something specific you could share with our listeners in terms of co-parenting? I know you've done it yourself. You've obviously got a lot of clients that have walked that same path. What is something that people that are wanting to successfully co-parent, what is something they definitely want to do or possibly something they want to avoid doing? Good question. Um, Look, we learned the hard way. It took us two years to realize that there was such a thing back then as a co-parenting plan, you know. And so once we got that in place, our life changed with how we co-parented and where our daughter kind of sat in the middle of moving between two homes. So I do highly recommend to people to put some sort of co-parenting plan in place. It can be quite basic and and straightforward or it can, you know, be quite detailed. It depends on what the dynamics are between the two parties involved and the households involved. But that would be my top tip is to, as soon as humanly possible if you're separating to sit down and and talk about what that co-parenting plan will look like in a schedule and the financial aspects of the children and all those things um and then probably secondly is Is that sorry to jump in is that plan something written down like a spreadsheet or or a word document or something yeah so look there's many different um ways you can get your hands on a parenting plan um free resources there's the um, parenting through separation course that I do recommend all people separating go and do and in that course you will get a very basic plan to help that your family put something in place Um, I have got a very detailed plan that I work with my clients on and it's a download on my website as well and just over the years it's morphed into you know probably a 10-page plan just Mm -hmm. because uh, every family is different with what their needs are and so you know when different things have come up with clients and families I've added those things to the plan and you know you can utilize it to suit your needs so you don't have to fill in all the clauses but it covers off a lot of different things about you know how to co-parent when there's a new partner involved and and other you know step siblings and all sorts of things like that that you don't kind of think about will come into the mix as um as you work through those stages of of co-parenting so yeah parenting plans are available out there one way or another and you can work on them together or if you can't manage to do it as as parents then I do recommend clients go to see a mediator and have mm. some mediation on that one just to get on the same page and and remember that it's about what's best for the children, you know, not not the parents in this situation. It's what suits the kids and what's going to work for them best. And coming back to the question about what, what to avoid, is there anything, any kind of traps or pitfalls that parents often do around that co-parenting? Mm, I think um, the biggest thing to avoid is not bad-mouthing the other parent. 
in front of the children or or to the children. Um, always speak kindly and respectfully of each other as parents, and always support each other's choices as parents. You know, be on the same page, and and even just having you know monthly catch ups as parents without the children, to just discuss what's happening in both households and how you can support each other because it is challenging. You know, being a single parent, and if you're not on the same page and supporting each other, then the kids start to play you off against each other you know so having um having that support of each other as parents I think is what's best for the children I know that during COVID obviously there was the whole lockdown bubble thing and a lot of people had to stay together when main possibly I actually knew a few people that were planning on separating and then suddenly they're in a bubble um did you see some people actually being able to turn things around through the COVID thing and not it doesn't pull them apart instead it brought them together did you see any of that happen I did like it it was a real mixed bag obviously um but there were some people that I think because life slowed down for them they were able to look at what changes needed to be made in their families to make this work and make it healthier and you know potentially not working 12-hour days and and not supporting each other around the home and all of those things so I think being at home with each other 24-7 with the children made each other see what you do bring to the table and what you could do better. And so there was a little bit of that, definitely. Um, People just making different choices in in regards to the lifestyle and and work-life balance and putting more time and effort into the family, which was nice to see. I think, you know, I I did notice that as well. A lot of people re-evaluating what what is important to them as a family and spending more, you know, sometimes it was forced time together, but suddenly they did have more time to fill. So that was, that can either go either way. I know there was an increase for some people in the domestic violence. So that's obviously a very negative outcome, but for some people, I suppose, like you said, slowing down for some of them, help them to avoid that separation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there was yeah many different scenarios going on out there, but um, yeah, there were the odd odd success stories in in the pandemic of people, you know, kind of just rekindling and remembering what it was that they got together in the first place and what's keeping them together now and how can they do it better for the sake of their children. I guess the thing is, like COVID, for some people, was it added fuel to the fire, but it didn't create you know, the problem as such, it exacerbated what was already there. Um, I know one of the things you talk about a lot, or I think you get asked a lot, and that's why you talk about it is, is people come to you and they say, should I stay or should I go? Like they're in that decision-making stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is your guidance for them? Well, I I find that most people are in that decision-making stage of wondering, you know, where they want to take the relationship. They've been in that phase for quite some time when they finally reach out for help, whether it's to me or a counsellor or talking to each other about it. You know, that one party has been in that mindset for probably 18 months to two years before they finally speak out. And the other party's often in the dark and has no idea. And it's just going along thinking that everything's fine. So it's a very challenging phase. And, and I work with a lot of clients in this phase for quite some time before they're actually able to speak their truth to their partner about the situation and how they're feeling. Um, and it is a phase where I say, don't, don't ignore it, you know, dig in and see what you can do to turn things around. Because if you brush it to the side and pretend that you don't, 
have these feelings and thoughts, then it's only going to snowball. And then one day it all just comes crashing down when you least expect it. So if you're wondering whether you stay or go, then put the work in, have some couples therapy, talk to each other, listen to each other, and just see what is possible before you actually make that decision to leave because sometimes it, you know, it's not what's best for all. Mm. I know mm. it's, uh, and it's interesting because, um, you know, in my scenario without, without saying too much, um, you know, we were basically on different pages. We were polar opposite on all the things. And so that really meant that after however many years it was, let's say 12 years or whatever of, of a good marriage, Suddenly we were fighting more in three years than we ever had. And we'd been dating six years before we got married. So, you know, we've been together a long time and we still are together. And that's pretty monumental, I have to say, all things considered. So I guess for some people, you know, it's when you're so opposite on things and you both feel equally as passionate. I mean, where do you go? Where would you advise? <laughs> I'm not asking for free advice here on the radio, but <laughs> if if anyone else is in my scenario, and I imagine there are. So if you're listening to this, you're on, you're listening to Reality Check Radio and you, you can relate to my scenario, which is basically polar opposite perspectives on all things COVID. Um, you know, Kimberly, what what advice or guidance would you give somebody in my boat? Mm, good question. And that's the thing, isn't it? Because there's there's a lot of families in, in the same situation with um, the choices that needed to be made around the pandemic and the children and all, you know, the vaccination and all of those things, you know, and that did throw a spanner in the works for many relationships because both parties were on two different pages with their choices. And, you know, all I can say is, you've still got to get back to the grassroots of a a relationship and your core values and whether they're aligned and what you can do to try and and bring some alignment back in in other areas. I think that the the COVID um, disputes that have happened over the last three years you know, just need to kind of be put pushed aside. And you, if you want to make the marriage work, if you want to make the relationship work, that can't be your focus anymore because you're probably not going to align after all this amount of time. And so, what do we align with? What can we focus on that's good? You know, we, if you've got children together, we obviously all put our time and effort and energy into raising healthy, amazing children. And then hopefully you can start to rebuild that relationship and reconnect on a different level that's not around COVID and, you know, all of the things that came with that challenging two or three years. Yes, that is. And that is the that is the challenge. That is also the opportunity. Mm. When you talk about values, I mean, I know some of the I think there's 20 or 100, I don't know, values, buzzwords, for those that aren't sure what you mean, because values and philosophy and perspectives, those are different things. What Mm. do you mean when you say similar values? Values around family and relationships, I suppose, in in respect to what we're talking about now. I mean, values in in life generally, it's nice to figure out, you know, who you are at the core and what your core values are, but also what separately, what are your values and what do you want from your relationship and your partner? You know, what what aligns and and what doesn't align? And obviously, we're not going to align with every single thing with our partner because that wouldn't be a normal healthy relationship either but what are you willing to accept of each other's core values without rubbing each other up the wrong way about 
you know, disagreeing about those things, you know, what are you willing to let go and what are you willing to accept? And I think sometimes just, you know, sitting down and and writing out what you want from your partner, what your core values are in regards to family life and how you bring up your children and all of those things, those things have to align, you know, to make it work. Right. And of course, values very different from opinions. Mm, Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I I mentioned in the show a few weeks back that, you know, 2023, well, 2020 was the year of clear vision where many of us, not all of us, started to see things more clearly with what was going on in the world and the government and all the things. Uh, 2023 is the year of evaluation and accountability. Now, putting that into perspective under the banner of relationships and love, it is a great time to evaluate or reevaluate your our own relationships. Um, but also for me, I think like reimagine, right? So it's it's also a great time, you know, astrologically and everything to really think about how do we want things to be? So not just like reevaluate, like this is bad, or this isn't what I thought it would be, but mm-hmm. how do I want it to be? What does, what does a healthy marriage look like? What does a happy marriage look like? And starting to reimagine what that looks like. And then for me specifically, taking an accountability going, okay, Nat, if you want it to be fun, you got to bring more fun to the party. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, I think with everything in life, how you show up is is what you'll get back, you know? So what you give out and what you show up is hopefully what you get back from your children or your partner or your friendships, you know? And um, in reimagining you know, what you want for your future. You know, when when we get together with our partners of 20 years, we've we've both changed and hopefully we've both grown a lot and hopefully we've grown together through that, through different interests or what have you. But, you know, we are forever evolving and hopefully your relationship evolves with you, you know, and and if it's not, then it's a good time to sit down and reevaluate with each other about what you want for your future. What are you both aiming for, for, you know, your hopes and dreams and together, you know, hopefully you're still thinking about that togetherness and planning for a future, you know, of when your children leave home or retirement or travel or whatever the things are that you both want to do that is going to keep you growing together, not apart. Well, you touched on the topic of, you know, growing and and evolving. Do you find, because this is what I see, at least in my experience, because I'm in the entrepreneurial space where a lot of people do, or a lot of women, those are my people, do a lot of personal development, personal discovery, self-reflection, facilitated self-reflection, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Is it sometimes I find is that that person is evolving more and then there becomes this bit of a void or a gap between um, husband and wife, just because maybe one is quote unquote, doing the work, mm-hmm. self-reflection, I mean, not laundry and mowing the lawn. Um, <laughs> and the other one is, is just, you know, going through their, their day and, and going to work and coming home and doing the, and helpful with driving the kids, but not so much on the personal discovery. Have you noticed that at all with your clients or, or your mm-hmm. own reflections? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, there's always potentially one one partner in a relationship that's going to do more personal growth and self-discovery and often it's the females of the relationship because you know we're interested and we are intrigued by these things and we always want to you know help ourselves and help others and that's generally why we do it and so 
from my perspective, I know that everything that I've learned over the years, I've been able to impart that onto my daughter. And and so, you know, whether it's your, your children or your partner, it's just imparting and subtly what you're learning along the way. And it's kind of like a, a you're a co- in a coaching role. So rather than a telling role, you're guiding them and coaching them and just sharing what you learn about you and seeing if any of it re- you know resonates with them. And if it does, then you can get into a deeper discussion about it. And if they don't seem interested, then obviously you, you move on. <laughs> but I think what you learn for you is obviously, you know, a reflection on your growth and your ability to share your knowledge with your your children and and hopefully your partner's coming along for the ride too. Even if sometimes they're sitting on the outskirts listening to what you're talking about with the kids, you know, it can be enough for them to reflect and maybe subtly take things on board without letting you know they are. Mm, Definitely. I think you, you raised a good point. Those of us with teenagers, it is a it is a great opportunity as they start getting into relationships as well. So not only our relationship with them, parent, child, but as they start getting into relationships, um, being, becoming more aware of what we're role modeling to our children. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, you know, some of what I've seen with, you know, in my personal experience, it's just the way that my daughter's boyfriend treats her. It's like raising the bar for how Mm -hmm. a woman, you know, wants to be treated. I mean, some of it's going back to some of the old school stuff, like opening the door for her and like clearing her plate for her. And like, you know, some of that stuff is like, this is great for my boys to mm-hmm. see a woman being, you know, treated like that. Yeah. I think part of my, if I'm going to be honest with myself, part of my thing is because I'm so independent and so very capable mm-hmm. is sometimes you don't get that TLC because it seems like you don't need it, but mm-hmm. we all want it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's the thing. We, we are raising self-sufficient, independent woman, you know, and and we are those ourselves. And, and so to accept you know, help or or to say out loud that you wouldn't mind sometimes having things done for you or being treated that way, that's okay. It doesn't mean you're any less independent or self-sufficient and you would do the same for your partner, you know. So it's it's showing up for each other in a way that you want, you know, to be looked after and treated. And that's a lovely story of your daughter and her her boyfriend because you're right, like if if there's some modelling going on, then we're hopefully doing the right thing by our children. Yeah. And I guess that plays back into that all of us, you know, for those of you listening, this is a great time to reevaluate your relationships and also to, as I like to say, reimagine, like how would you love it to be? Mm-hmm. How would you love it to be? And then, and I always do this cheesy movie in your mind, like close your eyes and what do you see and what are you doing? And, and just seeing how even like holding hands, walking down the street, like, what do you see yourselves doing together? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's like, oh, we're going to go rollerblading and it's, we're going to be, we're laughing and it's hilarious because neither of us are very good, but it's fun. So whatever it might be, how do you want your relationship to be? How are you feeling when you, when you see that vision of it, how it could be? And then of course the accountability part is like, okay, great. Now, how can you show up mm-hmm. um, or do things a little bit differently uh, and that's that comes back to self leadership, which we talked about last week and, and touched on the week before. Is yeah, how can you show up to create that vision into reality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's like you need to show up for yourself first, and then hopefully with your actions and what you're doing, your partner can see what it is that you 
would like and and it's reciprocal right it goes both ways it can't I imagine you're giving advice way. like that a lot of times like and do you get pushback you know from the clients going yeah but he does this and or yes but she does that yeah absolutely always always but it, it it's like that whole you know the the bucket half full analogy isn't it it's like yeah but if you want your bucket filled up you need to fill up your partner's bucket and then you know by filling up each other's bucket then you're filling up your own bucket so it's not about what who's doing what or who isn't doing what it's what are you doing that you know your partner loves and needs and wants because often people you know with the whistle as we say things around the house the jobs that need doing around the house we tend to choose what we like doing, but not necessarily what our partner wants us to do, right? So some days it's nice to just take stock and go, I know I really want to go and mow the lawns and wash the car, but I'm going to just check in and see what else needs doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is filling up your buckets for mm-hmm. each other. It's not just thinking about yourself all the time. I remember when our kids were really young, we used to live in Christchurch. This is before the earthquake and when we moved to Auckland as a result. And Matt would come through the door and he would say these magic words. So I'm just counting. I think it's six magic words. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? Yeah. He wouldn't yeah, say, do you need help? Yeah. Right. Cause then I'm like, yes, I need help. Like, right. He would say, yeah. so that don't say, do you need help? But you say, what can I do to help? Which shows that he was ready, willing, and able. Yeah. And it would be like, hold the baby or stir the pasta or hang out yeah. the washing. Or usually in those days, it would be something like that. Yeah. But it, I just loved that that question and it was just music to my as a stay-at-home mom it was music to my ears and it just allowed me to ask for help without having to ask for help Mm, absolutely and that's the thing isn't it I think you know whether you're both working parents or whether one's at home with the children or not we all need those moments of what can I do to help you know so whichever parent has been at home with the children for the day or the evening, or what have you, the other one walking in and saying, you know, what can I do to help, is what's going to keep most marriages together. Like six, as you say, six simple words is what's going to make most marriages last, if that can be a continual event. Yes, exactly. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, if people are making making it work, staying together, you know, a few tips like that. What if somebody is actually separating? Like, so they, they've decided it's happening. Mm. I know you you give some guidance around like wellness during separation. So can I ask yeah. you about that? How can the couples make sure that they stay well and keep things as healthy and happy as possible through an actual separation mm. or divorce? That, that's the challenge, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, if you want an amicable divorce and you can continue to show up and communicate kindly and clearly with each other then that helps you know the overall well-being of all parties involved because if there's children involved it's also going to have a flow-on effect to them if you guys aren't handling the process well then your kids won't either so how you show up on a day-to-day basis is going to you know make the whole process a lot easier on everybody but definitely open clear communication still you know if especially when there's children because you're always going to be in each other's lives and you have to re-establish the relationship as a as a co-parenting relationship it might not be as a couple anymore but you still do need to communicate on a regular basis when it comes to co-parenting so how can you let some of the past go of, of why the marriage or relationship didn't work to then just 
focus on being the best parent you can be in that process. And that often helps you, you know, put some of that upset, anger, what have you aside to let a few things go. And if you can't let things go, then you definitely need to seek some counselling, you know, to just one-on-one get yourself that support that you need to grieve the loss of the relationship or deal with the anger or whatever's coming up for you in that process so that you can then tune back into the co-parenting relationship and be the best parent and co-parent you can be. And that's the challenge. And if you, if you can't do that, then it takes a toll on your well-being, you know, sleeplessness and stress and all the things that come with that. So if we look after ourselves in that process, we, we'll do a better job of the, the separation. One of the other stresses of separation um, I, I've heard is the money side of things. So and, and potential court and such. What guidance do you have for anyone listening today around around that, around the, the mm. money side of separation? Mm. Well, look, you know, especially if one one spouse has been the higher income earner, then the other spouse is always going to have that concern straight away. And that's often what keeps people in the relationship for longer than potentially they want to be because of the financial impact of it all. Um, and so it is about you know, in that should I stay or should I go phase, a lot of clients work with me around this, like how will I survive? What, what, you know, what will I come out with? And we, so we start to break it down and look at the big picture um, and also give them maybe some, some support and know how to start working on their own, you know, income potential and what opportunities have they got so that they can start to kind of rebuild their career or their earning potential so that if they do leave, then they've got a more solid footing to start on. Um, In regards to court, I am a huge advocate for keeping things out of court. And um, I work in the collaborative law process with collaborative lawyers that are all um, opposed to the court process, because we can see that it's not the best road to go down. It's last resort. If you've got a very difficult ex-spouse, um, then, you, you know, sometimes people have no choice but to go to court, but it's definitely not the first port of call. It would be last resort if you've tried everything and nothing else has worked. So, you know, a divorce coach to keep it amicable, to keep it collaborative, to keep communication open and just, yeah, working together as a team rather than as oppositions is, is probably the biggest part of keeping it out of court. Yeah, I mean, the court to me sounds very stressful, just the experience of it. But also, I imagine it really exponentially increases the the burden of the, the, on the money. Absolutely. And that's the thing. If, if your financial concerns are around, you know, the money side of it, then court, the court process is going to gobble up probably most of what you'd, you'd be getting out of any kind of settlement agreement. So, you, you know, there would have to be a lot of money involved to make that a financially viable option, because otherwise you're just spending it all on legal fees and court mm. fees. And that's, you know, that's not going to help set you up for your new life. And the added stress on the kids as well. Absolutely. We yeah. I've got some questions here that I ask all of my guests, and I'd love to ask you, what is one thing in the past year that you've done, achieved, or navigated where you truly upped your brave? 
Oh, um, the first thing that's come to mind is um, boundaries. I've been, you know, touting to clients for years about boundaries and, and putting healthy boundaries in place with their, you know, around their ex or their children or whatever the dynamics are in their household and um, finally put a few boundaries of my own in place in the last six months, which has given my daughter and I a much calmer existence in this world and, and I think brought us closer together as well. So, yeah, I, um, I've finally kind of seen for myself what putting some solid, clear boundaries in place are, are like and, and how much more we thrive with good boundaries. Boundaries are, are so crucial. And I imagine something that you keep having to, well, you have to keep protecting them because they can mm-hmm. get a bit blurry or pushed out sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And and they, they can definitely when, you know, certain people know how to push your boundaries. And so it's easy to just sometimes give in and let those boundaries be, you know, pushed aside. But I think standing your ground and and being quite resilient and, um, you know, holding your, holding your own in, in your boundary setting. That is awesome. Well, congratulations on that. And um, the bucket list. So we've got a segment which we call Bucket List Busters, where the Reality Check Radio community can message in. So go ahead, you guys, and message us. You can email in inbox at realitycheck.radio, or you can actually text, which is 4040, so 4040. And then you just type RCR for Reality Check Radio, just type RCR, and then let us know one or two things on your bucket list. And if we can help you um, through our community, collaborations, courage, or connections to make it happen, we will. So Kimberly, what is one thing on your bucket list? Um, It's a thing that I never, ever thought I'd hear myself say, (laughs) but the last three years have kind of made me relook at life and want a simpler life as well. And, you know, I live in Auckland City in the middle of a very busy city, which, you know, has served me well. And I love Auckland. I didn't grow up here, but I've spent most of my life here. Um, But I've become more self-sufficient in my little piece of paradise that I own in Auckland with growing my own vegetables and fruit and things. And now I'm like, I really want a lifestyle block and I want to like, you know, one day maybe semi-retire and get a bit further out and and grow even more vegetables and fruit trees and have some little animals and I don't know, like I just have this whole new vision of what my life could look like. So that's my bucket list. Oh, I love that. I love that on so many levels because, I mean, you and I have known each other for over 10 years and, um, you know, just you've been, always been so busy. And that's why I'm glad to hear about the boundaries. You've been so busy in terms of your work. You're so in demand. You've got this beauty business, which allows you to help people to feel confident and and um, and look their best. But and then, of course, they tell you about their 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 marital situations. And then you're helping so many and your divorce coaching business, which was going amazing. And then with COVID, it just really massively grew. So it's mm-hmm. like you you could easily be busy seven days a week is what I'm saying with all the yeah. clients. So I love that you're seeing the vision for yourself of what is reimagining your own life and lifestyle and lifestyle block Mm. Mm. look like to you. Well, that's exciting. Mm, yeah, definitely. And you're right. Like COVID has made me slow down. I, I now instead of working six days a week, work five days on week mm. and six days the next. You know, <laughs> which is huge for me. But yeah, it is about just reimagining what you do want out of this life and and you know, striving towards it. I suppose. All right. Well, any tips from people around the old lifestyle block? If you've done that yourself, I know a lot of people are looking at 
you know, reevaluating their their lifestyle and where they're living and how they're living. We are lucky enough to have quite a big property here in Auckland, and we have fruit trees that we planted when we first moved in, and we have banana trees and veggie gardens. Nice. Galore. Um, I love it. Yeah, but for me, it would be living by, closer to the water. Closer. To, I'm a, I'm a seven minute drive from the beach, but I, I would definitely want it to be walking distance. Um, <laughs> so, but that's your bucket list. Amazing. What is coming up for you with your with your work or or anything else exciting that's going on? And how can pe- people connect with you, find you, and follow you online? Mm. Um, what is coming up for me? I've got a, uh, yeah, quite a lot of different my fingers in lots of pies at the moment. So, um, just growing the um, divorce coaching industry in New Zealand with some other divorce coaches that I now know, um, and and kind of just educating people on on all things divorce and and that divorce coaching is uh, you know a very resourceful and um, attainable thing for most people to have, and and it helps you you know do it better like like I say um you can fail at marriage but you can succeed at divorce and so I'm really wanting people that have to go through that process to do it the best they can and so there's a team of us out there that are trying to raise awareness there oh I think I mean I tragically I think it is going to be more in demand to have people like you and I think that's very exciting if you're talking about you know, we, we talk about coaching the coaches, right? You're training the trainers. If you can help other people to upskill with all the experience and all the clients that you've helped over the years, well, that's going to help a lot more families to navigate yeah. this as best they can. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and how can you find me? So my website is um, degreesofseparation.co.nz. You can also follow Degrees of Separation on Facebook. And then I have an Instagram, just Kimberly Sweeney on Instagram, where I kind of cross-promote both my businesses there. Yeah. Love it. All right, guys. Did you hear that? So it's Degrees of Separation. Did you say .co.nz? Yeah. Perfect. Okay, amazing. So people, you can reach out to Kimberly if you um, if you need some help or if you want, I think you've got that a free download or something around the should I stay or should I go? Um, yeah, there's a free download for um, relationships, some tips on how to, you know, how to keep the relationship going, best practice for relationships. That's on my website. And then there is a workbook on there for should I stay or should I go as well at a, at a price. But I also do offer a free 15-minute discovery call for anyone who wants to reach out and see if we're a good fit and if I can help you with your, your journey. That sounds good. On one of your five or six days a week of working. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's awesome. Okay. I'm going to ask you for, if you've got anything else, but I want to ask you one last question. Um, what is one of your favorite places in New Zealand and why? I love the Coromandel um, and, and probably like you, Nat, I just love being by the water. So my ideal is a lifestyle block by the beach don't know if that's possible (laughs) um but yeah I just love the beach it's like I can switch off if I'm at the beach so it's a nice nice place to be over there yeah it's so gorgeous all right so Kimberly before we wrap things up is there anything else you want to share with our audience around the topic of relationships reimagining your relationships or and navigating um separation and divorce uh, probably all I'd want to add to that that we because we've covered a lot today, but um, I I just you know want to remind people listening that you know it takes a lot to make a relationship work, and that includes you know having some me time, some we time as a couple, and then family time as a family, and it's got to be equal across the board. You know, like having um, you know equal amounts of 
of all helps you to have a healthy, happy relationship. And the me time gives you the time to have some self-care or catch up with your friends outside of the family unit. But I think we need a happy balance of everything for a happy relationship. That's a good reminder. All right. Amazing. Thank you, Kimberly, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Awesome. So good to talk to you. And everyone remember to, uh, it is a great time to evaluate or reevaluate your relationships, take some accountability and really get clear on that vision of how you want your marriage, your relationship to your partnership to be, and then take that empowered action to make it happen. Thanks for listening, everyone. So much wisdom there from Kimberly Sweeney from Degrees of Separation. Kimberly actually trained as a level two Gottman relationship coach, helping clients to make that decision about, you know, should I stay or should I go or how to make it work, of course. Um, so it's like that conflict resolution and the communication skills are so critical, um, whether people are staying together or separating, but wanting to make it work and keep things positive, as positive as they possibly can be. So um, you can get in touch with Kimberly if you want help to make your improve your relationship or reduce the conflict, work towards maybe an amicable divorce, if that is where you're heading. Um, of course, she helps people to avoid the court. Uh, but anyway, you can get in touch with Kimberly, www.degreesofseparation.co.nz. She does a free 15-minute discovery call, and you can book that through her website. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome, welcome back. I'm so excited today. We're, be- we're talking about empowered relationships. And now I'm excited to introduce my next guest, Vainan Jacobs. And I met him probably five or six years ago through my husband. Um, my husband works in the sustainability um, housing industry and their paths crossed. And so so our paths crossed as well. And I knew he was the man to chat to for this topic. And so Vainan, if you don't know him, for the past 30 years, he's been at Family Life um, recently as the executive director, but he, he's been equipping families to build strong relationships to stay married for a lifetime through their weekend to remember getaways, their home group studies, their radio programs, and other resources. He is um, currently the director, as I mentioned, and hosts the Family Life NZ podcast. He speaks regularly at marriage conferences, talks on radio every week, you can tell, <laughs> um, for hope-filled relationship discussions. I really love how he integrates his background in teaching and executive coaching and brings that together to help people create flourishing relationships. And I mean, who doesn't want a flourishing relationship? Uh, Vainan is committed to helping couples, families, and communities build and sustain meaningful relationships because when people develop effective relationship skills, all their relationships flourish. Well, let's dive in. Let's hear more about that. Here he is, Vainan Jacobs. Enjoy. Vainan, so good to have you here. Welcome to the Up Your Brave show. Hey, Natalie, long time no speak. Uh, good to be on the show today. Um, you know, it's exciting because when I decided to do this topic, which is empowered wellness, I was thinking, well, what guy can I call upon to chime in and add some real wisdom and life experience uh, for my audience? And, you know, you were the first person to come to mind. I know I interviewed you probably three years ago on Instagram Live. Um, so before we dive into the topic, can you let us know a little bit about, you know, your COVID experience yourself? Like, how did it go for you? Well, um, Natalie, as you know, a lot of what we do is actually event, event-based. So when all of a sudden you go from 
having all these events lined up for the year to having no event, you know, you're, you're really caused to reconsider how you do things. Um, so look, we've, we, we had our challenges during that time, you know, as a family, we, um, we were locked down as everyone was, we, we went through our own challenges of, you know, being in a confined space. We worked through those. Um, we, we came out stronger in the end, but, you know, as an organization and in the, in the work that we do with, with marriages, we, we actually learned that, uh, events and the way we were delivering what we do weren't the only and the best way to do things. So I'm actually, you know, I call it the gift of COVID. We, mm. we've learned a lot and we, we were forced to innovate in a few ways. And some of those innovations are actually still embedded in the way we do things now. And, and I think we're actually probably being more effective post COVID than we were before. Well, that's amazing. And what do you mean by effective? What do you measure that by? Yeah, that's good because how do you measure uh, effectiveness in terms of marriage, you know, growth? And it's hard because it's it's often quant it's often you know qualitative. You get those testimonials. The way I measure, you know, maybe the effectiveness is um, if I think about depth, the depth that I get to take couples through um, when. I guess couple in, engage with us over a course of a weekend. Um, that's a weekend, so that has a level of effectiveness. It's hard to measure sometimes, um, but if I think about what we're doing now, it's more of a mix of having that immersive experience for people and more of an ongoing experience as well, where where people are actually um, helping each other on their journey. Uh, I mean, I can talk more about that if you want to, but later. But uh, I think the effectiveness is more about the depth and the, I guess, duration at, at which we actually get to invest in marriages or in couples to strengthen their, uh, their relationship. And I think, I think people do want to have, I would imagine, they would want to strengthen their relationship. I, I wouldn't imagine there would be a couple that, that possibly didn't want to strengthen it. While some people do need to go their separate ways, I imagine your, your focus is mainly with helping people strengthen and stay together. Well, right. If people are wanting to go their separate ways, then the likelihood of them knocking on our door is, is probably low. Although if they do, it's often because they, they, they say they want to go separate ways, but only because they don't see a way forward. And they sort of, they, they're actually at that space of hopelessness and, and there I even use the word despair. Um, but, you know, our, our tagline actually has been for, for a long time has been help for today and hope for tomorrow. Um, I love this phrase. And we often think of ourselves as merchants of hope. Mm. You know, how much hope do we have and how much hope can we infer into those that, um, you know, we get the privilege of speaking to or working with? Um, because if you can give someone just that, that hope, um, the tools and the, the ways, the, the how to, I guess, will follow. But it's always that hope. If hope is lost, you know, that's often when people start looking at a way out of a relationship. And similarly, I imagine if hope is all they have and they don't seek the tools or they don't have the tools, it also can't work. So are you able today, I mean, there'll be people, I imagine in the audience like me, who have really had a very tough time um, you know, out of all the things that, that I've endured in the past three years, it, definitely it's, it's been really hard on the marriage. So people like me or whatever, what strategies or tools can you share with us that we can t take on board today? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Look, we, we think of 
I think of marriage uh, in the context of um, as being on a scale, a scale between uh, isolation and oneness. Uh, let me explain what I mean by that. So isolation being that space where, you know, you might be married, but you, you're, you're really um, isolated from your spouse, your spouse, you know, you don't, you don't share necessarily that intimacy. And, and I like to slow, slow it down when I say intimacy to into me see. See, I believe the goal of a, a healthy and flourishing marriage is when we are experiencing intimacy, we, we are vulnerable with one another. Um, and we're able to actually, you know, take off the masks and be safe together. Doesn't mean we're the same. It means we're safe enough and we're bonded in a way that we get to be intimate. Another word you can use for that is marriage oneness, right? So, and, and, and I think marriages are always, they're never stagnant. They're always moving. So you're either moving closer to oneness or you're increasing your oneness, your intimacy in your marriage, or you're drifting towards isolation. Um, but yeah, it's always going somewhere. You cannot actually, you, you cannot actually stand still. So I think if we, if we can stop and just recognize, Hey, if I want my marriage to grow, I need to figure out a way to see, do we both have a goal? of growing in oneness, in, in intimacy. And, you know, let's simply start by having a conversation. What can we do to take one step in that direction today or this week or this month? And, and, you know, I can, I can fill up our lineup today with lots of tools and maybe we'll get to talk about one or two of, or maybe three of them. Um, but I think overall you need to have a, a motive. Uh, you need to have an intention to want to grow in your marriage and to want to commit to the relationship. I love the saying, and, and I think someone wrote a book about this as well, which I haven't read, but uh, just this phrase, uh, we over me. Okay, so it's more about us, it's more about our marriage than it is me as an individual and what you're doing to, I guess, serve me or annoy me. If, if I can get to the place of placing my marriage first, our marriage, we always approach, you know, our union as how can we, what can we bring to it? How can I, how can we serve one another? And that's just a whole different mindset than what most of us actually live in when we're thinking about, you know, what coffee do I want this morning? Or, you know, how would I want my eggs cooked? Or what clothes am I going to wear? Or, you know, how am I going to style my hair? All these things, you know, we're, we're very me focused, you know, we go online, we can shop, we can find what we want, we've got a few options to choose from. And if we don't like it, we send it back. You know, we live in a very consumer focused mindset where it's all about my individual happiness. Well, guess what, marriage doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> marriage is actually the opposite. And it's about serving a greater good. And the greater good is the union of the two of you. Yeah. And I agree with you. You said, you know, marriage doesn't really stop. It's not like you get to a point going, we're awesome. Tick, you know, we're going to be great forever. It, it evolves. And sometimes it's you're vibing and it's going great. And sometimes you're a little bit off. Things are off. Um, so I think that's important. I wrote down the we over me. I wrote it down like a little fraction. Is that what it's supposed to look like? We line. Yeah, yeah that's it. My question is, what about the kids? Because you said, you know, it should be, you know, ideally it's marriage first, like focusing on the marriage. And 
I don't know about other people, but I wrote a book called If Only They Told Me, right? All the things you wish you'd been told from pregnancy to starting school. And the reason yeah. I wrote that was because my, I was concerned. I would just, I would found that it was a lot harder on the marriage once the children entered the picture. And I felt like nobody talks about this. Everyone's all like, get this nappy bag, buy this stroller. But it, you know, what kind of, what's your birth plan? But it wasn't around the relationship. And so I found when kids came along, the dynamic changed. Should we still be marriage first, regardless of kids or no kids? Well, that's the thing. When kids come in, all of a sudden, the demands on our time just increase significantly. Uh, but if you think about it, and, and I'm going to go back to pre-kids, but also pre-marriage, okay? So let me take you back, Natalie. Um, you were standing in front of, I don't know how you got married. Uh, we got married in the church, but, you know, we were standing in front of the altar and okay. in front of the altar. And we did, um, we did a bit of mix of traditional vows and we wrote a few of our own. But somewhere in there, we promised each other to love and to hold and to care and to cherish and, and all those beautiful things until death do us part, right? That's a four life commitment that I made to Al Ray, my wife, and she made that commitment to me. Now, it's not that commitment didn't say as long as I feel that I love you, that, that was actually like a commitment that we made to one another for the rest of our lives. And that commitment, you know, actually creates a sense of security for us to grow and develop as a person and in our marriage, in that relationship. So I believe, you know, that that commitment forms the base of how, you know, we even get to engage and do this thing called marriage together. Now, the fruit of marriage and getting together, and I know not everyone does it this way these days, but, you know, the fruit of marriage is that two people make a full life commitment. They they know each other, you know, on a physical and a, an emotional and you could even say a spiritual level. And then the fruit of that relationship is kids, right? Now, here's the crux. I never made a vow to my kids that I would <laughs> love and hold them till death do us part, right? Um, my job as a parent is actually to raise them and then launch them into the world. So yet it's easy when kids enter our relationship and our dynamic to make, to bring them into that main priority and sort of neglect our, sp our spouse, but we'd be wise to actually think, no, we need to make sure our marriage is, is healthy because out of a healthy marriage, we've got so much more to give. You know, it's almost like trying to give when the tank is on empty. It's not something you can really do. So if you get the, the priority of, um, of order correct, then you just have so much more to give to your kids and your kids will benefit if mom and dad is doing life and relationship well. So, and, and then I say that with a caveat because those early years of raising kids, the marriage really doesn't get the attention that it probably deserves, right? But what, what I've been told, and you know, I, I, I always, uh, this is a vivid picture in my mind, but you know, uh, someone who's given me great marriage mentoring advice is, in these years, if you can just keep that pilot light burning, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> um, it will get better. You know, you will get more time. You will get to a stage where your kids become more dependent and you'll have more time for one another. But at least if in principle, we know that my wife is the first priority, like our relationship is key. And if that's going well, 
then we, we have so much more to give our kids. Yeah. And the trickle down effect of that. That makes sense. So in terms of where we got married, we got married at Mona Vale in Christchurch. So shout out to all of the Cantabrians out there. I actually came down the um, river in a canoe um, and my dad was sitting there with me in this canoe and my two friends that I did the Southern Traverse with, it's a multi-sport race in New Zealand. Um, they were paddling these two guys that I did the race with. Um, and then we, you know, we came on we, and we did outside in, in the, in the grass and it was beautiful at Mona Vale. Um, so it's good to revisit those memories and remember what, <laughs> where it all started and the commitment. Interesting about your point. Like I didn't make a commitment to my kids, but I just, you know, as a mom, maybe as a parent, but I can only speak as a mother. I just found, I found it so easy to make the kids more of a priority than myself, than my husband. Yeah. I just made them the priority and maybe that's part of the, the trap. Well, it's called being a parent and, and right. You have this responsibility. I remember receiving our, um, little Jonah, you know, from the hospital when, uh, cause that's where, that's where he was, he was born and, um, receiving him there and taking him home for the first time and and almost feeling like a bit guilty like am i even allowed to leave this place with this little life in the car and you almost feel like you're driving slower than you'd usually do because this weight of responsibility of this human being that is now entrusted into our care we need to we need to raise this child you know that's that that's a weight and it's so easy to neglect areas of our lives to make sure we do that well you know but i I always have to remind myself that I'm not the best version of myself if some of my needs aren't taken care of, you know, and I'm talking basic stuff. I'm not talking about being selfish and making it about me first, because as a parent, you do sacrifice, you do, um, you know, maybe give up that last um, chocolate or cookie for your kids, you know, rather than you taking it, there's a sense of sacrificing for your kids. Um, but it's good to know that are you showing up the best version of yourself for them? Because that's what they really need. They need you um, to be inspirational, to be a role model, uh, and to actually figure out the the juggle because it is a juggle. And 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 nobody said it was easy. But I love this quote. Uh, someone shared it with me not long ago. Life wouldn't be so difficult if we didn't expect it to be so easy. And ain't that the truth? <laughs> yep, it is. It is. And I think that comes back to what I was mentioning earlier, which is why, like, if only they told me, which is the name of my book and a podcast, we did about 200 episodes and it was all around, like, I didn't realize it was going to be so hard. I guess I just thought it would be easier, which is kind of similar to what you just said. Speaking of self-care and self-love, uh, for our audience, that is the topic we are going to dive into in one of our upcoming episodes in the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, always, it is important, isn't it, to take care of oneself. It's not selfish, but you can't, if you're depleted and exhausted, well, you're not going to be a great partner or a great parent. Yeah, yeah. I, um, in my book, uh, Connection, A Journey Towards Intimacy, I I wrote about this, the the topic of boundaries, right? How you actually have to draw healthy boundaries. But the illustration I used was on a tree. So if I've got a fruit tree in my garden, I typically put up a fence, you know, or a boundary around my garden, because I don't want wild animals to come and take the fruit from the tree. Okay. However, if my neighbor 
walks around and he wants one of these lovely, delicious apples growing on my fruit tree, I can happily invite him into my garden and he can have as many apples as he, he would like. Or I might say, yeah, you can have three or, you know, <laughs> I can control if I've got a good boundary, I can control how many of the produce I give away. But here's the thing about a good boundary. A good boundary ensures that the the tree is protected and that it yields the best um, uh, yeah, yield that it can. Uh, so let's let's reverse that. Let's take away the boundary. Uh, the moment a little uh, you know fruit appears on the tree, someone just grabs it. Doesn't even give it time to grow to maturity. And the tree is just trying to survive. It's not well looked after. It's not well fed. You know, it doesn't get proper water. It doesn't get the time it needs. The, the, the soil doesn't get the nourishment it needs. Nobody's really going to desire anything from that tree. Right. And, and, and I think, I think our lives are the same. If, if we're not taking care of the tree and that's me, that's my wife, that's our marriage. If we're not taking care of the tree, well, it's not going to bear much fruit, right? Uh, we, if we're not in a healthy space, uh, sure, we might be able to do things for other people and, and give, but actually what we have to give is so much less than if we were to just say, okay, well, hang on, we're in a season right now of cultivating the ground. The goal is a healthy, flourishing relationship. And the fruit of a flourishing relationship is that we will always have more than what we need right? And that's true for marriages. I think marriage is one of the, um, the most untapped sources to bring good to the world, uh, marriage and family. And what do I mean by that? If a family is doing well and a family has just, just has those rhythms in place, they're, um, modeling respect. They're, they're glad to be with one another. Identity is solid. You know, kids grow up feeling confident. They can take on the world you know, I'm sure we all know at least one of those families. They, you know, we, we almost maybe even a bit jealous of them sometimes, you know, like, like how can they just do all these great things, you know? But if, if family is going well, if, if, if the kids are growing up in that environment, um, there's always an impact on people around them and it's, it's for the good. I think you're right. And my audience probably knows by now that I love a good metaphor, a good analogy. So I loved the example of the tree and the boundaries. So yes, boundaries is definitely key. It's easy to let them kind of sway. Like maybe you put a fence around, but you leave the gate open. It's like, nope, <laughs> put, come right. back to your boundaries, put them back in place. Um, I wanted to ask you about something else you mentioned. I'm pretty sure you mentioned it before we clicked record. You were talking about drifting and moving or drifting versus moving in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we mentioned this thing around um, you're either moving towards oneness, you know, or, or intimacy, you're growing in that area, or you're drifting away, you're drifting towards isolation. Um, nobody gets married or gets into a committed relationship with the goal of being isolated, right? We want to be with someone, we, we enjoy being with them, we, we, we envision a dream of spending more time with them, doing everything together, growing old together, all these wonderful things. That's, a, that's a, an illustration of oneness. A few years down the, down the line, sometimes even a few weeks down the line, you know, the, the dream, the, the, rea the dream comes to reality. And some of those, you know, we have a session at our, our weekend getaway called marriage myths. 
you know, those myths that we carry into marriage, you know, we'll oh, give us one. Yeah. We'll just, yeah, yeah. We'll always just love one another and it's, it will just always be great. Um, the reality is when real life kicks in, it takes work, but that work is worth it. You know, we have, um, <laughs> we, we, are, uh, we have, a, 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 there's a t-shirt that I saw recently that says, you know, marriage is hard work. And then that hard work is uh, scratched out and it says worth it because sure, mm -hmm. cultivating a marriage that, I mean, the type of relationship that most people desire takes work, but here's the thing. You will always receive a multiple, um, you know, compound interest effect return on investment on every bit that you actually invest in your marriage. Here's a, here's a shocking fact though. Most people spend, you know, on average, probably north of, let's just call it a number, we'll be conservative, say 10,000, you know, dollars on the wedding. Right. Okay. And recently I heard about another wedding that went down like something like a hundred thousand dollars, you know, wherever you're on that spectrum of how much you paid for this occasion of getting married, you know, your wedding. The next question would be how much have you actually spent on the marriage? And for most people that that's a, that's a solid zero. Most people do not invest a single dollar or intentional time into their marriage post getting married. Um, and, 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 and I think the natural drift then is towards isolation, mm. but that's what we're all about. We, we want to help families and marriages grow together. And then that second aspect, which I also briefly mentioned that impact their corner of the world, because we know healthy, flourishing families, um, will impact those around them. And I love that too, because, you know, I'm all about amplifying your impact, but you don't need to do it alone. If you can nurture three amazing people in my case, three amazing children, and I, <laughs> including my husband, that's four, four, if I can nurture four amazing people, imagine what, you know, when you do the math on that, what we can all do. You mentioned, yeah. um, the, you talked about investment. So yeah. how can we grow, especially if we tend to be drifters, you know, those of us that yeah. feel like we're drifting rather than moving intentionally. Um, how can we grow this investment mindset that you talked about? Right. I think we live in an always on culture, you know, even a, even a few years ago, we weren't reachable outside of, you know, maybe being at home when the landline, you know, rang, you know, I, I still remember, I mean, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself, um, that young, but not that old either, but I still remember the time before cell phones, right? So when I wanted to ring my friend, I'd ring their house line and I'd ask if they were there. Sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't, or they weren't. Fast forward a few years, we're just available on instant messaging, text, um, phone call, social media, there's email, there's, there are actually multiple channels. And I mean, these days when someone sends you a text and they don't hear back from you, they might send an email and send you a social media direct message because they haven't heard back from you. Um, they haven't heard back from you. And I think we are, we're, we are so filled up time-wise mm. that 
we are just responding to everybody else's demands on our time. You know, unless we've been intentional about cultivating a habit where we turn off the technology, where we step away and we just focus on relationships, the, the reality is those those instant messages, those Facebook feeds, they release endorphins, right? Our, our brains are actually hardwired to want the novelty that comes with the message or a like or, you know, anything that the phone actually, you know, smartphones provide us these days. And then we neglect the real life relationships, the real life connections that we have right in front of us. Um, so you, you asked the question, how can we be intentional about investing? I think one of the easiest, like I love, I love easy. I don't know about you. Um, I love doing difficult, long-term, hard projects, but I like easy. And one of the low hanging fruit, I think when it comes to relationship is just having a rhythm of disconnecting any other voices, any other influences, technology, and having a rhythm of just focusing on the two of you. My wife and I, uh, the beginning of this year, uh, our schedules was sort of starting to get out of hand and we just felt we weren't really connecting as we should. We scheduled 30 minutes. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying take a whole day. I'm not even saying take a whole lunch. We scheduled 30 minutes in the middle of the week uh, to just have a coffee together, right? But the purpose for that coffee was, uh, we called it our rhythm catch-up. It was, it was purely to just make sure that what's happening here this week, like it was on a Tuesday. So our Monday would usually be frantic. Things would happen. And by Tuesday, the, the week is sort of settled. The people that we needed to engage are doing their thing. And it's just a great, it was a great time in our week, sort of an anchor point to say, okay, so here's what's going up on coming up. Here's how, you know, our week has started, but just, Hey, we're just focusing on one another. And you wouldn't believe the amount of anticipation both of us developed for that 30 minutes together. Um, our kids were away, you know, um, that on a Tuesday, we actually work from home so we could, we could do that. And um, it, 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 it's a small investment, but with a massive return. Another thing that we, we do to encourage couples um, is like having regular date nights. I, I heard a, a counselor or you know someone who's worked with, literally thousands of couples mentioned this once that he's never met one couple seeking a divorce who has regular date nights. Well, that's a bold statement, right? Um, but if you've worked with more than a thousand couples and those seeking a divorce, not, not one of them had this pattern in their life of having a regular date night. That says something. And a date night hasn't to, doesn't have to be a movie, uh, you know, a movie and a dinner. It doesn't have, you don't even have to spend anything on a date night. Sure, it's nice to spend something and make it special, um, but it's, it's purely saying, hey, we're going to spend a night. It might be one hour. It might be two hours if you're really busy, right? But we're actually going to say we're going to block out some time in our week to just focus on the two of us. And it changes. Um, it, it has a dramatic change and a flow on effect because so many of the other things in your marriage will fall into place when you've just got at least one anchor, one building block of regular um, time for each other. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is regular and that rhythm. So for our listeners, if you're like me and you're like, oh yeah, well, I guess we haven't really had a date in a while. And my kids are, our kids are older now. It's easy peasy. We've got two babysitters in the house. 
Um, whereas before, when they were younger, it was it was a little bit it was a little trickier. So committing to something, and I wrote down also non-tech time. So turning off the tech, um, having some regular anchor, right? It's like an anchor to like, okay, yeah, yeah. Tuesdays, we're going to do our 30 minute catch up. One of the things we used to do in our early years of marriage, and I'm pretty sure it was before kids, but we were really amazing at it on a Friday after work, we both had jobs. Um, we would go for a walk and we would do our, what we call my, our one to fives. Now, a few yeah. weeks ago on my show, I mentioned one of my favorite books, which is John Strzelecki's big five for life. It's so amazing. Um, and it was about the big five, but this is slightly different. This is from my multi-sport days where we were racing, you know, for like 24 hours or like, it was just ridiculous. And instead of saying, oh, how are you going? Oh, I'm really tired. What about you? Like that takes a lot of energy to say that. So we would literally just say, I'm a two, or we would literally hold up two fingers. So it's basically, how are you going on a scale of one to five, one being crappy, five being amazing. And so we didn't even have to say that. We would just go, what are your numbers? And they go, I'm a one. Okay, you're a one. I'm going to take some stuff out of your bag or I'm going to tow you on the bike. Okay, so that's multi-sport talk, but you get the gist. So Amazing. we would have every Friday, Friday, and we're walking, remember? So we're going for a walk and it's just, we're outside in nature walking. What are your numbers? And we'd say, oh, well, in terms of work, I'm actually a four right now. I had such an awesome day, some great meetings. But in terms of like our relationship and a relationship, we divided into two things. It was administrative, like logistics and boring things. And then it was like us as a couple, you know, so we might go like us as a couple, I'm a four, but in terms of admin, like I'm a two, because I know we need to sort out, you know, that spreadsheet and pay the tax or whatever. Um, and that seemed to work really, really well doing the one to five, because it gave us the regularity and we right. would sometimes be super geeky and write them down and go, oh, look, you've been a three for two weeks in a row. What's going on? Like anything a three or below, we dive deeper into. Like what's behind that? How can we bring you up to a four or five? Yeah. What do you think about yeah. that? Oh, that's amazing because you're giving language to something and you're making it easy. I love how you said it's it's almost too much energy to say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. It's like, just give me a number. <laughs> how are you checking in today? You know, just give us a number. Um, here's a, here's a little practice that you might, you might also enjoy, um, along with that is cultivating the, the skill of sharing joy stories. Okay. Now what in the world is a joy story? Vainan? So, you know, our, our, our Gabriella, she's a little girl. She's, um, just about 20 months now. I was going to say, and I thought you only had one child. This is how long it's been since we've caught up. That's, that's right. So you know what it's like, you know, um, at that when they're reaching that toddler stage they're so cute and every little thing they do you just celebrate you know so uh my face just lights up you know when i on the days that i actually get to work from home and then sometimes you know when i've got my door open and she just she actually would just walk into my office and she'd do something super cute and she'd look at me in the eye me in the eyes and their face lights up and she said daddy you know just that expression i mean i would not have had that had i been doing the same thing away in an office, mm -hmm. no? You know, now sometimes, you know, those distractions uh, can come across as annoying, but the amount of joy that that interaction, you know, brings. And now I can experience that joy moment, but I, I you know, we're having this conversation and, and I can actually see your face. And I saw your eyes light up when I told you about seeing my 20 month old coming to the room and being it's excited I love to kids. see me. It's because I love right. babies. <laughs> You love them, but you know what it means, right? And and my joy is actually contagious. Like now, I can see you're struggling to swipe, um, 
to get that smile off your face no, right like now. I'm like getting teary-eyed is what is happening over here. Right, right. So <laughs> that's the power of joy, of a joy story, you know. What's the alternative? We can complain about whatever we're going through, but joy has this way of just immediately transporting us from wherever we've been, however we low two or three or whatever, to just bringing us into a state of joy. Here's the thing. Our brains are naturally hardwired to you know, protect us. So we look out for risks. We look out for the bad things. We remember the bad things. And we're not good at saying what's good. We're not good at saying what bring what uh, brought us joy today um, because it's almost like we don't need to pay attention to that that's not threatening that's not a threat to our survival we mostly pay attention to the things that are bad because that's a threat to our survival um, but there's almost you know if i can call it a higher way of living and that's cultivating joy um, i've heard of this thing about gratitude for a very very long time i know how good it is to practice gratitude and be grateful. And I would have considered myself a fairly upbeat and grateful person. Uh, since the beginning of this year, I've been part of a, a group. Uh, it's called the Journey Group. And we basically just practice some um, some skills together. And we sort of, on a weekly basis, we'll, we'll meet up, we'll have a bit of learning time, and then we'll just share stories like this joy story I shared with you now. Um, and then we, we're literally practicing. Your, your brain develops the capacity for joy by practicing gratitude. Now, that sounds like a mouthful, but what does that mean? Basically, it means if you're not regularly practicing gratitude, your brain actually has a low joy capacity, right? So if you wanna be, we all know those people, right? We, we know a few of them, I'm sure. I, I, hope, I, I hope you know at least one joy-filled, uh, contagious person in your life because they're just so good to be with. Um, but they've developed that capacity, you know, to hold joy. It's really hard to hold joy if we haven't practiced gratitude. And it's really easy to be negative and be critical, especially when it comes to marriage, you know, on the other person. But may I encourage everyone listening right now, how has that been working for you? <laughs> and I'm preaching to myself here if I, if I can for a moment, because you know, I'm often that critical voice in, in our relationship. Why is this not done this way? Or, you know, you complain about things, but that's never gone down well for me ever. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it never, ever will. But somehow I still fall into that trap. Um, but I've started trying gratitude recently. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the amount of response I get and the closeness we experience in marriage in our marriage by, by simply being grateful for little things and saying that. So we, by being grateful, we're practicing our joy capacity and we're actually just, we're wiring our minds a different way. And there's a neurological, uh, there's some research around that, which I won't dive into, um, but for anyone wanting to read about the connection between gratitude and joy, uh, definitely do that because it will strengthen your relationships. I think that's such a great reminder. I think intellectually, many of us, we quote unquote, know that gratitude is good for us. Um, and the thing is, it's not just going, oh, what are you grateful for? Okay, I'm grateful for this, that, and the other. I do the same thing every day. No, we have to like feel it in the moment. Like you need to connect, I think, to the the gratitude. But what I love about that is the joy stories and sharing like, hey, what's your joy story from today? I think that could actually work at the dinner table. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, actually. And, and, and sometimes you can ask that. You can ask people, hey, what joy story? Or you can just, you can just tell it. Just, just you start bringing the joy. Just bring a joy story to any room or any discussion you're in and just watch the whole the atmosphere in the room shift. Um, it's so powerful. When we, when we realize that we actually have more control over our emotions and over what's happening in life and, and even in situations than we realize, um, we, than we, realize we, we start bringing the joy, you know? So here's, here's a practical tip for yeah. those listening right now. Say, hey, maybe I want to try this thing. Don't think about trying it because you'll wake up tomorrow and you won't, okay? I want, what I want you to do right now and uh, if we were having this call in the morning at five past nine, you would have a little alarm on my phone go off. And I would not turn that alarm off because I'm having this discussion. I would actually bring that alarm up and I'll show you, hey, it's my gratitude alarm. And it's this, it's this wonderful, you know, little tune that plays. Um, when sometimes I'm driving in the car with my son and the tune starts playing, his shoulder starts jigging and he gets a little dance on. And I'm like, hey, Jonah, what song is that? You know? And um, I was like, oh, it's gratefulness. And, and immediately he starts telling me what he's grateful for. So don't think that you need to be more grateful. Set an alarm on your phone, call the alarm, be grateful. And then when that thing goes off, just stop what you're doing and think about one thing that you're great. I'm grateful for this cup of coffee that I'm, that I'm having, or, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I haven't, air conditioner in my office or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And then don't, don't think you need to hide that from people. You wouldn't believe the amount of times I've been in a conversation with someone or even had a meeting with, I don't know, some important client or whatever. And my initial response is no, that's, that's unprofessional. Don't do that. But what I've typically done is when that happens, I take my phone out and I show them, Hey, look, it's my gratefulness alarm. Why don't you join me for a minute and just, what are you grateful for? And I'll start and then they'll go. And then the, the atmosphere just, just shifts. Uh, the tone of our conversation shifts because we, we're switching on our, what we call relational circuits in our brain when we do that. Oh, I love that. Gratitude time. Okay, there we go. We've gotten some good uh, practical things we can do. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is I know you do this weekend to remember. Right. Uh, it, like, so you talked earlier about immersion. What is a weekend to remember? I'm imagining it's like a workshop or some sort of retreat for couples. Is that right? It, yeah. So it's a, it's a marriage or couples getaway. Uh, so you go away for three, your three days, uh, two nights. And, and, and basically it's, it's almost like conference style. So you're in a, in a large room with, say 80 other couples wow. and it's it's not like this group sharing thing you know but being in a, in a room with other couples that are laughing that are you know um, things get highlighted in a humorous way our our speakers that share from stage um, they share very vulnerably on some of their story and and some of their successes and i think one of the reasons the the weekend remember um, has such a great impact. I mean, it's been running for 30 years in New Zealand, um, the getaway, and obviously it's been changed over, the, over, over time, but it, it really transports emotion. It takes people on a journey in their marriage. You know, the, uh, you get together on a Friday night um, and you've got these sessions that you, you know, you listen to the talks 
and then you're not asked to share publicly with anyone. It's just a time for the two of you to connect, right? Now you might be talking to other couples during your, um, you know, breaks or morning tea, but there's heaps of project time throughout the weekend. So literally uh, for some couples, that would be the first weekend they spend away from their kids without their kids since they had kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it does a bunch of things. It gets people in that space of, focusing on their marriage it, it it gives them great content and conversation topics it's very practical you know so i think i think the the mix there is is that it's it's a non-threatening environment um but it gives people tools and look some people have checked it out before they checked out you know they mm. sort of at their last resort and they 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 gave it a shot um i was actually reading something this week uh someone who wrote as a testimony, this was 20 years later, they said, thinking about or knowing how close I was to throwing away my marriage scares me. Now, this is someone speaking from 20 years down the line, their kids have grown up, they've got grandkids, they're, they're enjoying family and, and life right now. And they got, went back to knowing that they nearly, they nearly called it quits on their marriage, you know? Um, and then there are, there are people that attended because they want to, they've, they they understand this investment culture, you know, they, they want to grow their marriage and they, they just come, they just come back. Some people have come like six or seven times just because they love it. They just get something out of it. And it's just a great opportunity for them to get away from the kids. Now, uh, wherever you are on that scale, like our goal is that people can grow at those weekends. Um, yeah. Well, they're investing. I mean, those couples, I imagine that return, they know that it takes, you know, work, cross it out, and it's worth it. But yeah. it takes an investment, and they're coming back time and time again, which is a tribute to you. It's interesting because I was picturing eight to ten couples, like, very intensive. But you said it was a non-threatening environment. I think some couples and some people specifically would feel more comfortable in a bigger crowd like that, where they can be part right. of it, yes. um, but not put on the spot or anything like that. So, yeah. 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 And, cool and one of the... One of the interesting concepts there, um, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm very analytic about things. I, I always want to figure out why something is working. So I didn't come up with these weekends, by the way. I'm just with the organization that, that, have, that have run them for a long time. Um, but one of the things I think that, that really matters is uh, we, we thought about this during COVID. You asked me before about what did we do. We, we thought about can we put this experience up in an online manner? And the reason we didn't was if there's something that comes up in a conversation that's just too triggering, you know, couples might just go at each other and not even pay attention and not even sit through the, the material or it's just too hot. I'll just go and put on the washing instead. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're in that space, you know, you're, you've almost got a bit of a positive peer pressure, safe environment where um, it, it, it forces couples to engage and once you can get the sting out of this thing that has become a problem, then it's so much easier to move move forward. Oh, that's so great. So where is it? Like geographically, where is it? Okay, so um, we've got one coming up at the end of May in Auckland uh, uh, at the Waipuna. That's a conference oh, yeah. sort of center. So it's, you, it's quite amazing because it's in the city, but you, you feel like you're not in the city at all, you know, because it's got this beautiful lake and it's a hotel. You stay in the hotel for the weekend. Uh, it almost feels like a, a second honeymoon for some. Now, some might say uh, the Waipuna. I mean, is that, 
is that even a place to go? But it's actually a, it's, it's a, it's a really great experience and it's not up there in terms of price. So we try and make it affordable for people, but still give them a honeymoon like experience. Nice. So, and so then there's to, a, sorry, I you imagine about some like, people would want to, so they, they have to stay, obviously they've got to stay on site. Like that's part of it. You can't just drive in from your house in Titterangi or whatever. Well, you could, and that's the thing we we don't include accommodation with the, the the registration. You know that basically covers your manuals and some um, morning and afternoon teas. And uh, I mean, it's only two ninety five a couple. We're we're a charity, so we actually raise a lot of what we do to make this event super affordable. You know, um, and so we we. we Put it that way so that people can drive in, but we highly recommend mm -hmm. if you can stay in, I mean, it's so worth it having that whole experience, but we recognize if people cannot, you know, do that, just find a way to get in and we even have scholarships. If people, you know, cannot actually, you know, afford the 295, they can, they can apply and we've got people who donate specifically for that. I do want to just answer your other question. There's another one coming up in September for um, people in the Tauranga area. And then um, those are the only two for this year. But then like every year we have new locations. Um, so, yeah, people can just check out the website if they're keen. That sounds amazing. Okay. I, I love the sound of that. So I'll go to my next question. I'm going to ask you about your Up Your Brave in a minute. But while we're talking about it, where can people contact you um, if they want to reach out either about that or some help? If Some people don't like doing the group stuff. They're more like, let's just work together one on one. How can people contact yeah. you if they want to learn more? Yeah, right. Um, so our website, familylife.nz, um, there's a bunch of different, you know, forms depending on what you're interested in. Um, they could either, some of those reach me directly um, or some of those put information in front of them more quickly than I might be able to get back to people because <laughs> I'm not always that fast at, at responding if there's a bunch of things going on. But um, there's heaps of free stuff on there. Um, we've actually got uh, a, a date night series that's three date nights delivered to your inbox uh, with practical ideas. And it's just to get you going. You know, yeah. we talked about that rhythm. Just get you going. So, um, yeah, familylife.nz. Love it. Familylife.nz. Amazing. Okay, so this is the question I ask all my guests. And it is, what is one thing that you have done, achieved, or experienced in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Wow. Um, so we are in the, in the, um, what, what we're in, we're in transition at the moment, our organization in terms of growth. And so, I mean, our, the work we do doesn't fund what we do in any capacity, you know, whatsoever. So it's unlike another organization where, you know, you just sell more products, make more money, appoint more people to do the work. You know, we've got a, we've got an interesting model where we need to commit to growth of the organization and what we do, but how we do that is all, you know, based on um, people's generosity. So we're, we're a donor-based organization. And in the last, um, in the last two years, we've, we've actually grown our organization with a few with a few people so that we can do more and look that's a scary place to be because it's not like we had all these funds and now what are we going to do with this let's grow it's like you're committing to growth and that growth needs to somehow you know be funded but look i can just say that the journey has been amazing and 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 um 
it, it's nerve wracking at times, but you sort of put yourself out there and you ask and, and people respond, which is, which is amazing. But um, yeah, that would definitely be right up there in terms of brave things, uh, you know, especially when you commit to those, those uh, additional resource. Yeah. And that's right. As anyone growing an organization or a business and having the the courage and the, um, you know, the capacity also to bring new people on board. Well, congratulations. Um, my next question is about your bucket list. What is one thing on your bucket list that the Reality Check Radio community can possibly help you with? Well, <laughs> so I used to be, I actually used to be a music teacher. I used to teach guitar. But that was because I had a, a hobby for it. And then I turned the hobby into, I thought what was going to be a career. So I'm really into music in that way. And there's a specific guitar luthier who does this custom made electric guitar in Italy. Right now, I'm originally from South Africa, living in New Zealand right now. But I have uh, on my bucket list to actually travel to Italy, see the, the, the gardens in Florence and... Um, potentially maybe buy one of those custom made electric guitars. So yeah, that would be a great trip you know, for family, a uh, bit of an instrument acquisition thing, something to take home. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's something I'd want to do before I kick the bucket, so to speak. Okay. So if any of our listeners have been to Italy, you know, the must visit locations and possibly where he can get one of these guitars, then you can get in touch directly actually with, um, with Vaynan. You can find him also on LinkedIn, right? Are you on LinkedIn That's as well? Right. LinkedIn. They, so I'm going to spell it for people. It's W-Y-N-A-N-D, pronounced Venan, and the surname mm -hmm. is Jacobs. Yes, that's right. So they can find me there uh, or, you know, drop something on the website. Um, yeah. We'll, or family we'll or respond. familylife.nz. You can also reach right. out to us at Reality Check, inbox at realitycheck.radio. Um, or text us, and we are happy to hear from you as well with your any ideas for help with the bucket list. Um, amazing. Before we go to my last question, which is, is there anything else? Um, we've done the contact you. Is there anything else specifically you've got coming up that you want to let us know about? You've already told us about a few things. Yeah, yeah. Look, we, um, yeah, it's it's great. Like, <laughs> what I enjoy about the work that I do is is I'm constantly thinking about and and look, I feel so privileged to be able to focus this specifically on marriages and, and actually get to call it a job. Um, but what I love doing is thinking about experiences that help people grow in their marriage. And so there's a bunch of projects and things we're working on. Um, we like, we're, we're in the process of launching like um, peer support groups or small groups, which is basically you can use a resource and uh, in six weeks, you know, a group of uh, couples can go through it together, you know, so that launch it's coming up sometime soon. We're thinking about how do we actually, um, generate communities of marriage mentors where people are just doing uh, life on life. They're mentoring another marriage and we've got a really easy to use resource that they can use to help them ask good questions. And so I love that. I love that we could just think about how we solve this relational problem and you know, a big, a BHAG, if you will, a big, hairy, audacious goal for us at Family Life is to be known New Zealand-wide as the place for people to go to upskill in their relationship. So wherever you're at, knowing that if I want to invest in my relationship, Family Life will have something for me that would be relevant. And so 
uh, yeah, there's a bunch of things coming up. There's always different things, but we, we want to say sort of meet people wherever they're at in that journey and have something for them as a next step that they can take. That is awesome. I think there's so many resources because um, some people love to just read stuff and some people love to give, be given homework that they can do in their own time. And other people want to just come to an event or else they know they're never even going to open the email. That would be me. Um, <laughs> so I, I really like that you're kind of covering all the bases. Um, because like you said, you know, like we said at the start, marriage is a journey. It does, you know, we have twists and turns along the way. The COVID experience has been tricky for, for many couples. For some people, it's brought them closer together. And for others, it's, it's pulled them apart to a certain extent. But I think today you've shared some really good strategies. Um, so I'm really hoping to, that we leave people feeling empowered and feeling more positive about their relationships and wanting to you know, move forward rather than drift apart. Is there right. anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah. Well, look, if, if, if I have a way of putting into a capsule or a pull or something, uh, <laughs> you know, or dare I even say it into a, into a in, injection, a way of infusing. No, don't say hope. That. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say that, but I just said that, but just as if I can come up with a way of infusing hope, uh, into someone's journey in their marriage, regardless of where you're at, there's hope. And we've seen it time and time again. We've seen, um, gee, I actually, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a, a conversation I had uh, about a month ago with a, a lady who's, you know, they've been back together for five years now after being separated for two years. I think they actually came to a weekend, remember, before their separation, like a few years prior, and then they separated, they actually came back together and they came to another weekend to remember. Um, and they're now just like really growing through all the pains they've had, but their marriage is now at a stage with, they've got so much hope. They, they were, they're really um, thriving as a couple to the point where they're, they're uh, thinking of how they could help other mm -hmm. couples, other married couples. Now, if you want to talk about a story that had sort of no hope, you know, it was over then I would have said that story. So if I can leave our listeners with one thought today is find hope, surround yourself with people who will be uh, carriers of hope, merchants of hope is the word I like to use and, and latch onto that. Even if you don't have your own hope, latch onto mine, listen to a podcast, whatever. It's like, I know that there's always hope and a case is never too far gone. Um, if you can just put the right ingredients to it and you've got two people committing to working on it, even if you've got one person committing to infusing love, that's a powerful source. Love and hope is a powerful source to bring good to the world and to change people and to help people heal from hurt. So that's my final thought for today. What an amazing way to wrap things up. Thank you so much, Vaynan, for joining us today. Thanks, Natalie. And thanks to, to our amazing audience for listening. Um, you can get in touch with Vanan if you want to learn more. And there's been so much gold. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Okay. See ya. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. So many good uh, strategies and just things to ponder. I love the analogies and the metaphors. Um, they also have a podcast if you want more listening. It's uh, familylife.nz. That's the website. And then slash podcast. And you can check that out. You can also check out the information there about their couples getaway weekend and other programs. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR. 
Reality Check Radio. Welcome back. I am so thrilled to bring you our third and final guest from today. Now, this is Jacqueline Richards, a longtime friend of mine. She is a transformational relationship coach, and she's all about connections and community. So what a perfect fit for the Up Your Brave show. Uh, we're going to be diving deep into the topic of connection with self. Welcome, Jacqueline. Hey, Ned. It's great to be here. Now, the sad thing is our audience can't see you because you're all, you know, when, when I record everybody, I do record on video so I can see my amazing guest. We have incredible connection as we record. But of course, you're only listening. Jacqueline is looking so lovely in her red, lady in red outfit today. <laughs> so Jacqueline, um, first of all, I think the story about how we met is so funny. So in a minute, I'm going to read a bio about Jacqueline. Uh, but the, the way that we met, I remember we were we were both in the business world. We're both coaches. We both love empowering people. And I remember saying to her, hey, by the way, how did you, like, how did you find me? How did we connect? And I don't know if you remember, but it, it turns out, you, she joined my local moms group, this Facebook group that I've been running for 10 years for free called MetaBank Moms. And she ended up joining it. I'm like, girl, how did you even get in? You're not even like, you don't even live in my area. She lives in like Gray Lynn. Um, I must have somehow like clicked the button and let her in. And it was, it was, uh, it was fate because here we are today, four years yeah. later, <laughs> firm friends. Well, it, 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 it all lines up, right? Sometimes we don't know why it's happening, but that's why it was happening. I love it. Yeah, it's a great story. It is. I love the way that people's paths crossed. Well, today we're going to talk about connection with self. For those of you that don't know Jacqueline, Jacqueline Richards, her purpose on this sweet planet called Earth is to empower people to create and live the relationships they would love to be living, the relationships they have with everyone and everything around them. Because in our lives as humans, our relationships are everything. Uh, known as, also known as the Wolfpack leader and freedom finder for parents, Jacqueline is a mother of two, transformational relationship and parenting coach, speaker, facilitator, and author who is deeply passionate about bringing greater awareness to the way we raise our children. She leads people all over the world into an evolution of mutually empowered and sovereign relationships through the way of the wolf pack, inviting them to create all of their relationships with magic. Ooh, well, that all sounds amazing. So Jacqueline, tell me more. How did you become the wolf pack lady? Well, it's actually, that's a really good question to start with, because when I dived into and finally realized that what I'm here to do is to empower people with relationships. And it was because I was so disempowered with relationships, right? I, I, I didn't have the, the depth of connection that I really wanted in my own life, right? With the people that I loved, my friendships, my, my partner, my children. And the reason why I became the Wolfpack leader is because I used to be a lone wolf. That was the way that I ro roamed, let's say that, that was the way I roamed in life. And it was the furthest away from what I actually wanted. It was the furthest away from, you know, having a, a solid, uh, deep connection with a circle of friends, with a community, um, the depth of connection that I actually wanted in my inner circle, right? My, my family. So I, I, I dived into transformational work so that I didn't have to be the lone wolf anymore. 
And um, I, I gathered a group of people together, which I called the Wolf Pack, and then I became the person that was leading it. So that's how I became the Wolf Pack leader. Um, and it happened organically, right? I didn't just wake up and say, right, I'm going to become the Wolf Pack leader. It just, it just evolved through the progression of wanting to empower myself in the way that I related in the world. You think at that time you didn't actually consciously know, you know, I, I'm not, I'm sick of being a lone wolf. I want to, I want, I date, I crave deeper connection. Do you think you actually knew that or not so much at the time? No, not so much at the time. I, I, I was completely unaware of everything <laughs> at that time. And the reason why is exactly what we're going to be talking about today is because I, I wasn't connected to myself. So I didn't know where I was or what was going on for me. And I also didn't know where I wanted to be either, where I wanted to go. So both of those things, because I just, I was, yeah, I wasn't connected to myself. What does it look like when someone is not connected to themselves? What do you mean by that? And how can we tell? Yeah, well, we're so conditioned in our lives, we're, we're taught, right, to, to be a certain way. And the way that I put it, we're taught to be externally referenced, right, which means we're looking outside and we're always outside of ourselves. And we're always looking outside of ourselves for everything that we need, right, for the answers, for validation, to be seen, to be heard, you know, all of this stuff, which is out here. And, um, and for for the for what I you know what you're asking, how do we know, right? How do we know that we're disconnected from ourselves because we're always searching or we're always seeking, right? We're we're never sort of content, we're never comfortable, we're never here in the present moment because we're so busy. And you know, when I think back to my former self, and it really is like a, a previous life. I was frantic, right? There was this frantic energy about me. And, and I was, I, I, because I was always outside of myself, I was always busy, always moving, always, um, you know, I want to say I'm, I was never still, but because I was always moving. So that's a definite giveaway <laughs> for, for someone that isn't connected here, right? Right, right in, in the body, inside themselves. Um, yeah, did give away. And does that present often in terms of, well, either for you or from people you've worked with, um, you know, depression or, or, um, you know, numbing behaviors or, I mean, you know, what does it look like in terms of not so much symptoms, but something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, absolutely spot on. Right. I, either they're just ang ang oh, anxious, right. Anxiety. I was speaking to my little boy, my little boy who's now about to be 11, um, my, my, my younger guy, and he said to me that one of his close friends at school is suffering from anxiety. She's nine. Yeah. Right? She's nine, and it's this anxiousness. And when I got my hair cut um, just a couple of days ago, uh, the, my hairdresser was telling me that she's too anxious to go out. Right, you know, and 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 this is this is what's happening out there in the world. So yes, anxiety. If we're projecting ourselves into the future, mm -hmm. and, and future orientated, or if we're past orientated, then it's depression. Yeah, because we're 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 dwelling in the past. We're stuck in the past. We're always constantly reliving the past. And if we're at either end of the of that spectrum, we're not here. <laughs> 
right? We're not in the present moment. And when I talk to people about connection with self, that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's funny, before we clicked record, I asked you what I ask a lot of people, do you know your human design type? Because most of my audience knows I love human design. Um, I started coaching people in it and it's so fascinating. And the way that it can shift relationships and self-understanding is incredible. But I asked you what you were, you said you were a manifesting generator. I said, no surprise. But did you know the manifesting generators are actually the queens of reinvention? So reinventing yourself. And also their superpower is being present and living in the moment and being spontaneous like a child. And that sounds like the current version of you, but maybe not the old version of you where you were out of alignment. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So this new version of you, are do you, how does that show up for you now? Like, do you feel like you're so much more happy or you're so much more genuinely showing up as who you actually are? Yeah. I mean, alignment is one word that, that, that you shared, but I'm, I'm, I'm in life, right? I'm, I'm present. I'm no, I'm no longer reacting to the past and the future, right? Reacting to, to stuff that's coming up from the past or freaking out about the future. I'm responding to what's Mm. here, right? I'm responding to what's here in the present moment. And the word for me, that is, that is grace, right? It's being able to to receive life gracefully, right? Be be in life gracefully. And what came while you were, you know, brewing that question was, you know, I thought I was pretty grounded, you know, just sort of over the last sort of six months while this new program, the content of this new program was brewing. um, I thought I, I I was deluding myself. I was sort of telling myself that I was pretty grounded and pretty centered and pretty present. And what I realized was that I wasn't, you know, I was everywhere else, right? My thoughts were everywhere. And I I started committing to a practice of just noticing where I was, right? When I'm in connection with with somebody else. So, you know, it can happen when I'm alone as well, but it's really powerful to do it when you're in connection with someone else. And it was especially my children, and I would just notice when I when I was there and I was committing to this practice and being intentional about it, and I would I would just see myself drift off and I'd be like, oh, I'm gone. Okay, pull myself back. Oh, I'm gone again. I pull myself back, and it just became this practice, and and it just really highlighted to me, you know, someone who's done a lot of transformational work, a lot of development work, how unpresent I was. And, and how this practice of just bringing myself back, boof, you know, it was so good. And, and I remember this, this little story that's just coming to me now. I remember my, my little guy who I mentioned earlier, we were just walking down the road and he was saying, you know, he, he likes to talk a lot and he'd be going blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, what do you think, mum? And I was like, Dude, I just I was not here. I, I I didn't hear anything you just said. And he just and you know, can you tell? Can you say that again? And he just go and he, he looks at me and he laughs and he goes, "Oh, mum, I wasn't really listening either." So, so he 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 wasn't actually really there either. So both of them, you know, we just laugh. We had a huge laugh at that, but it just shows, or it just illuminated to me how unpresent I was. 
Well, that I love that honesty in the moment with your boy. Like, actually, dude, I was so not even listening. I'm so sorry. Um, I love the honesty there, but the honesty with yourself, like, because a lot of us, you know, we've done a lot of this personal discovery, personal development, etc. Work, and it, but it it does it does take. You know, we need to nudge ourselves back in in alignment now and then. And the visual that I had was almost like you know a balloon, a helium balloon, and it starts floating away, and you're like, oh gosh, and you have to grab the string and bring it back in. It's like, oh, there I go. Oh, hang on a second. But having the ability to as you say, notice, and then to, you know, pull, pull the balloon back in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a really beautiful um, way of describing it because that is exactly what I was doing. Right. And just as you were talking, it's like, I, I know so many people who say, oh, I've done so much work and I've done all my work. And, you know, it's a, it's a constant lifetime journey right of doing of pulling back in the balloon yeah right? you can't see me but i'm pulling back in the balloon and um and it never stops because the world just pulls us out continuously and it's increasing every day right with the distractions that are outside of ourselves with the the things that are 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 vying for our attention and our focus right which is our most precious resource and um and you know to 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 be very committed to pulling ourselves back and reconnecting with ourselves right that uh, for me it's just become everything because so you mentioned about people being distracted yeah so and i i'm thinking like you know social media and everything why are we so distractible why are we so disconnected and distracted yeah it's i mean <laughs> My answer to that is because it's so foreign being inside, right? Being here, being in the quiet, being in the stillness, right? Being in the moment. And when I think about that, it's like, well, why is that, right? Well, why, why are we so unfamiliar with that? Because we've been so conditioned to look outside of ourselves for everything, but also because we're addicted to drama, right? And to chaos and, oh my God, this is too quiet. You know, there's not enough going on here. And, um, and I find that fascinating, right? I find it really interesting. And I know that for me, it's definitely been a thing. Um, because I, I would test myself and sort of prove to myself if I was, you know, sorting out all this drama. It, it made me feel valuable and, and worthy and needed and good enough and, you know, all of these other things that, that sit underneath what drives us. Uh, but when, when people ask me, you know, what is it that distracts us? What, what, what takes us out of connection with ourself, right? Our addiction to thinking, right? Thinking. And this is what 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 keeps us stuck in the past and, and keeps us projecting in the future, right? You're right. Just the the constant stream of thoughts, the never ending stream of thoughts. And the second thing, so our addiction to thinking is one. And when I realized how addicted to thinking I was, and how destructive it is because it just completely takes me out of myself you know because i'm 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 literally indulging these thought processes and some of them you know like one of the things that i, I talk about thinking catastrophizing right and i know people that do this oh my god but what but that could happen and if that, that happened then this could happen and that 
it hasn't even happened yet, right? And they're already going down all these paths of thought and all the energy that that consumes is immense. And not to mention creating your own destiny. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, it's what keeps us so stuck, you know, that that we don't even get to that point of of visioning a different way because we're we're, we're, we're so stuck in either the past or the future. Because when we're visioning what we would love to create, you know, creating your own destiny, we've got to be here in the moment <laughs> to receive, right? To receive that 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 wisdom or that guidance or those visions or. Um, but thinking is one thing. The the other thing that that really um, has been landing for me is the attachment to the way we feel, right? The attachment to the way we feel, because if we are you know, we become so consumed with our feelings, you know, with, 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 what's, with what's happening inside ourselves um, and identifying with it, right? Identifying with our thoughts, identifying with our feelings, identifying with the way that we're thinking, what we make stuff mean and the way that we feel that, that, that you know that, that it's real that's the, that's the what i'm getting at that it's actually real right the, the way we think and the way we feel is real i want to come back to the identifying with your feelings because i want to break that down because for some people they won't know what that means i'll tell you what i think it means and you can correct <laughs> so it's like i am sad it's like owning that like i am sad i'm a sad person or i am angry is that what you mean well it's identifying with the thoughts and the feelings that are happening in the moment and making them real, right? And I, and I, sh- I always share this beautiful little story of uh, a couple of friends of mine that I had when I was a little girl. And I remember coming up behind them and I was like, you know, I could see them in the schoolyard and I came up behind them and I, I before they saw me, they I heard them talking and they were saying these awful things about me. It was devastating. And um, and I froze, and I, I, I you know, and I, and I, and I, 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 I all this physical reaction started happening in my body. I felt sick. There was a lump in my throat. I, you know, I was starting to, and and I turned and I ran. Right, I, I got out. I was like, oh my god, I'm, I'm not hanging around for this. So I ended up in the sick bay and. You know, the nurse said to me, oh, my God, you're green. You know, I'll ring your mum. And I had, th- I had three days off school. Mm. And by the time I went back to school, I saw, you know, I was really hesitant. I was really nervous, right, anxious about going up and seeing my, my – these are my best friends. And um, and I didn't – well, they came up to me anyway. They came bounding up. Oh, my God, how are you? Oh, my God, it's great to see you. Oh, my God, are you feeling better? And all this, and I'm like – what do you mean you were saying all those things and this is how it made me feel and blah 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 and I went you know off on one and they were like what are you talking about we were talking about Sarah and I was like what Sarah was the class bully right mm-hmm. she was she was the class bully and essentially what had happened was I'd got the wrong end of the stick completely Right? What I thought was happening in that moment wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. And I didn't have enough awareness to, to, to notice what was happening in my body and to, and to stand, you know, because it was all coming up. Oh my God, I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. They don't like me. You know, I don't belong here. And I just left. Right. And I, I didn't have the awareness to know that all of those beliefs that were coming up 
were being expressed by what I was thinking, yeah, the thoughts that were going through my head and what I was feeling in my body. Mm. Yeah, and I chose to identify with those, right? The thoughts that I was, oh my God, they don't like me anymore. Or, you know, and my, I didn't have any of this awareness when I was seven. You know, I look back now and go, oh, that's what was happening. Um, but that's what I, that's what I mean by identifying with them, right? I was making them real and they weren't real. They weren't real. Yeah. Because if I'd had all this awareness, I would have gone up and said, hang on a minute, who are you talking about? What's mm -hmm. going on here? And they would have said, oh my God, we're talking about Sarah, or, you know, <laughs> however it would have played out. Instead, I made it all about me, right? Because the way that I was feeling, it was erupting in my body and I made it real. Yeah, I chose to identify with, with that. And, and this is what we do. Right. This is what we do without without awareness, without um, you know the consciousness that that's now available for us. Yeah, to start seeing that because if anybody had told me, and my first coach did try and tell me this, that my thoughts and feelings weren't real, I went, "What do you mean? How can you say that?" You know. However, we've got to feel our feelings first. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and when I said before, you know, in my previous lifetime, I was very disconnected. I wasn't even feeling my feelings, let alone being able to apply this level of consciousness that says, yeah, but your feelings are only a, a reflection of your past beliefs, right? And experiences. I wouldn't have been able to apply that. Because a lot of people will say, yeah, but my feelings feel very real. How can you say they're not real? And I get it because they are, they are very real. You're feeling them for sure, unless you are numbing yourself. And that was something that you brought up, which is definitely what I used to do. Um, it's just that they're not an accurate representation of what's actually happening. Yeah, it's like we just grab from the past and dump it into the present moment and go, that's what's happening. Yeah, and a lot of the time, it is not what is happening at all. I think yeah. that will that observation you know, that'll be quite pivotal for pivotal for some people listening now. Feeling your feelings, but understand that they are a reflection of your past experiences. Yeah, yeah, that's it. so they are real in the sense that people do feel them. And I know that one of the things you help people with, in fact, I actually hired you to help me when I had so much anger in my body. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was angry. I was super angry, but it's like, I have so much anger in my body. And I actually hired you to teach me some strategies because I'm like, anger is not a familiar emotion for me. And I didn't want to push it down. And I know that's bad for health. Um, so teaching me some strategies. And I think we did six for release, like processing and releasing the anger out of my body. So, I mean, not everyone's going to go to that extent. What can you share with us today that can help some of my listeners who are like either feeling maybe two extremes, anger mm. and frustration, which a lot of us have obviously from all the things in the past few years, or even, you know, super, super, you know, sad or unworthy, like any sort of guidance that we can listen today and take on board would be so amazing. Mm, yeah, I mean, and it's so huge, you know, so many of us are, re are so disempowered around emotion because when, as we were growing up, it was it was bad, right? To, to not only feel emotion, let alone express it, right? It, it was bad, it was, it was made bad and it was made wrong. It was judged essentially. 
So, um, so we judge it and then we don't allow ourselves to feel it, right? That's bad. I'm going to push it down or I'm going to numb myself out completely. And, um, and the other thing, because even as you were talking, because yeah, I remember those sessions, of course, you know, it's a big part of what I do because we want the consciousness, but we also want the body to be on board as well. It's, it's both, right? We, we can't have one without the other. And if we do, we've only got part of the picture because the body holds so much, right? And the evolution of the way that I navigate emotion, and I've just written an ebook about empowered emotion. So that's coming awesome. out really soon, yeah, which is, which is really, it's a very, very powerful um, seven steps, right? There's seven steps to empowered emotion. But one of them is, and it, and it, 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 it talks about where it comes from, our disempowerment. And it also talks about the way that we judge it because I was back then, you know, when I was working with you, I was like, wow, we got to release the emotion. We've got to get it all out, you know? And I'm like, no, we, but even that's got a bit of judgment around it, right? Oh, it's bad. We've got to get it out, right? All we need to do is stop judging the emotion, right? We've got to stop judging it. Um, Emotion is on a spectrum, right? We have lower vibration emotions, which anger, rage, you know, which you've spoken a little bit about. And then we have higher vibration emotion, right? Love, acceptance, joy. And we want to be able to accept all of it, all of it. They're just, it's like a colorful rainbow, right? A spectrum of emotion. And when we can see it like that, we don't need to release it and get rid of it. And, you know, cause it's bad. We simply need to move it through. Mm-hmm. right? And what that means is just to get out of the way. To, to move it through. So when I talk about emotion, it's like redefining it as energy. It's energy. Well, I've got some big energy in my body, right? And then how do I move it through? And it, it doesn't have to be rocket science, right? If I'm on the phone to my mother and I got she says something and, you know, because our mothers do that. And, 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 if I just, you know, okay, and what am I going to do here? Am I going to like yell at her? Am I going to like get really triggered or am I going to hang up the phone? Or just, just one minute, mum, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to do 10 star jumps, right. right? Just moving the energy, like giving it movement, right? That's what emotion is, emotion, energy in motion. Give it motion because what, so, what we're taught to do, what we're conditioned to do is to squash it all down, as you say, and put a lid on it, right? Yeah. So giving it motion and, you know, I mean, it can be thumping pillows and, you know, doing some of the stuff that that you and I did, but doing star jump, just just giving it permission to move through the body is a really, really powerful piece. And then we can learn about the consciousness, which is what we were talking about earlier, that our thoughts and feelings aren't real. They're just a representation of our past beliefs and experiences then we can learn how to apply these new levels of consciousness so that we stop so that we stop creating these big triggered reactions in the first place right and i used to i think i permanently well i think i was in a permanent state of trigger yeah you know i'm i'm sort of talking 7 8 9 well maybe 8 9 years ago and I still ask my boys, you remember when I was the shouty mum, when I used to yell and scream and totally lose it, you know, and mm. they're like, yeah, mum, we, we remember. And I just, I just, I, I'm not in that place anymore. Like I, I've, I have very little movement, you know, because 
I, I can apply, I mean, I've definitely allowed a lot of emotion to move through my body um, because we have a lot of trapped stuff in there and, um, and, and, and had helped to do that as well. But I've learned to get very current in my body. And, you know, just like a toddler, when they have a big emotion, emotion in, emotion out, they let it out, right? They just let it out. And we're the ones that squash it down and put a lid on it and, you know, hope that a big volcano doesn't happen when, you know, someone spills some milk. I love the star jumps. I think that's so doable for most people. You know, most people can do that. I remember when we did our session, yeah, there was the pillows, but there was also the polar bear shake. Can you talk about that? Yes, the shaking. I mean, I mean, it's huge. It's huge. I, and, and first, before I go into the shaking, because it's so good, the first thing we've got to know is that we're actually triggered, right? That we're actually mm -hmm. upset. And one of the things that I talk about in, in the ebook is noticing, right? Yeah. Just being able to notice, whoa, I'm getting really angry right now. Whoo, you know, and this is, this is being able to, 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 to no longer be our feelings, right? Which is that identification with mm -hmm. the thoughts and the feelings, but to actually step back and almost watch yourself. It's like, whoa, she's going off on one. And, and to be able to notice it, right? Because then you've got a chance. You've got a chance to do something before it all explodes, before you squash it down, you know. But the shaking is, it's like when I realized that we're mammals, right? This is what we are. And every other mammal on the planet, when they get triggered or when they have a traumatic event or something happens, they shake to, to allow that energy to move through, which is exactly what we're talking about, right? So a shaking practice is, is not rocket science, right, Nat? I mean, you stand with your, your, your feet hip width apart and you have a gentle vibration in your knees. And honestly, that's enough. I mean, you can get more vigorous, right? And, yeah, and I like really, the full body shape. Yeah, really, really go to town and, you know, like, like have your arms in the air and, and you, can, you, can, you can do that. Um, and, and however your body is feeling about that, but, but that's what it's doing. And I, I remember, you know, you, I sent you the polar bear video because the polar bear essentially gets tranquilized. And as he's coming out of the, the, that anesthetic, which is what it is, the, that tranquilization, if that's a word, it is now, um, he shakes, mm -hmm. right? He starts to convulse and that's him moving that trauma of being hunted down and tranquilized. And it's a really powerful video, but I also remember um, my cat when he was going, you know, when he was first sort of getting out on out, out in, the, in the in the town, so to speak, and be becoming the biggest ginger Tom. <laughs> but he wasn't always that way, and he and he got into a few fights. And I remember him one night coming back, and he was literally shaking, mm -hmm. um, you know, in our kitchen. And I and I just watched him do that. And we don't do that in our lives as humans. And we need to start doing that because otherwise we are literally holding on to all of that emotion, all of that, you know, big, big energy, and it's it's got nowhere to go. And what it's doing is creating dis-ease in the body. And I think that's something, you know, that the shakedown, I'm gonna call it the polar bear shake, is something that we can teach our kids. 
Absolutely. You know, because you're right. You said that we grew up and it was like, you're not supposed to really express your emotions. So just bottle them down. Well, I think for this generation, I would love it. And I'm, you know, I'd love to empower my kids and be like, you know, if you're upset, that's great. Be upset. Don't feel like, oh, I really shouldn't be upset because other people have it worse. Be upset, but don't sit in that upset for ages. But also what can you do about it? You know? And so I love it. It's like, if they're really fired up and angry, it's like, okay, it's polar bear time, kids. You know, like you can literally make it kind of funny, but physically, if they do that shimmy, shimmy shake thing, like it actually does release the energy and dissipate the anger. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it really does. One of the things I talk about, you know, with the human design, I say like when, if you're angry and that's usually manifesting generators and generators, I usually say, thank you universe for showing me that I'm out of alignment. So you said about noticing it's the same approach, different languaging. I go like, thank you universe for showing me I'm out of alignment because I'm super fired up right now. Okay. Like how can I bring myself back in? And and the, the polar bear is of course, one of many things you can do when you are feeling, you know, out of alignment. So either bitter or resentful or angry or frustrated um, and noticing it. And I think that that point you make about noticing and observing is so important. And then it's like, oh, okay, here I go again. Okay. And now what can I do about it to process and release? It's an opportunity, you know, and, and, and it's, it's changing the lens that we're looking at things through, right? Which is so much of transformational work. When we, when we see it as a disaster and that it's bad and that it's wrong that we're getting upset, it's like, it's a marker, right? It's, it's a marker. It's a red flag. (laughs) Whoa, there's a red flag. There's something going on here that I need to look at. Right, whether it's a boundaries issue, mm. you know, whether I'm tolerating something that is not okay for me, making it all about other people rather than connecting with myself, right? I mean, and this is why connection with self is so important because if we're not connected with ourselves, then we don't know what's okay and what's not okay for us, right? And then we're and then we're tolerating a lot of stuff in our lives and getting triggered about it, right? Um, and we're also heavily conditioned into a blame culture, right? Where it's everybody else's fault. And you mean, of, you mean humanity or Kiwis? Well, humanity. I mean, you know, the, 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 the fact that when, when I said that we're looking outside of ourselves, you know, often it's if something's going wrong, who do I blame, right? I mean, you go, go and have a little listen to anything Brene Brown's putting out. You know, she's talked about blame so beautifully. And, um, and, I, and I know this, right? I've, I've experienced it myself. But, you know, the way that we react is our responsibility, right? We are the ones that are creating everything in our reality. And when we come back to ourselves and have this deeper connection with ourselves, we can see that, right? And then only then do we have a chance to change it. Because if we're always in this, in this blame, um, you know, consciousness or mentality of blame, then we never get to that point. I love that. I think, and that again is a skill is rather than going, well, so-and-so, why did this happen? Oh, so-and-so did it or so-and-so. The skill of self-ownership, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's huge. And it's a practice, right? It's a practice. I'll still see myself, you know, going and, oh, you know, pointing the finger out this way and then bringing it back home. Yeah, because there's, there's, it's, it's what I'm doing in this situation that's creating it. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. Very, very, very powerful. Let's talk a little bit about um, relationships 
Um, I know we were talking about connection with self, but in terms of relationships, why are so many people not living the relationship that they wish they were? Well, I mean, because they're not connected to themselves, right? Which is which is what we've been talking about. And I mean, I'm about to launch another program called Connection with Others. But the first step before anyone can do that, and this is this is this is what happens. We want to change our relationship with our, or we want we want the relationship with our kids to change. Well, you know, but it, it's about my kids. You know, it's just someone come and fix my kids, or you know, my partner has to change, right? It's got to come back here first. And um, so learning that we are externally referenced, right, learning that we we, we we so often don't know ourselves, what's okay and what's not okay for us, um, it, it, it's those pieces that reflect right, our relationships outside of ourselves. So the inner reflects the outer, yeah and when i say that it's like if something's not working outside of our outside of us right if a relationship a friendship our parent you know our parent child relationship if it's not working the way we want it to if it's not the way we wish it was then we've got to bring it back home yeah because otherwise we're just expecting the external environment to change and for most of us, that's our go-to, right? We're just trying to change all of our relationships outside of ourselves, not knowing that when we change in here and in, inside of ourselves, it naturally and organically changes what's, what's happening outside of ourselves because it's a reflection. Yeah. So that's why. That's why. So it come, comes back to, to you, to yourself, self-connection. Yeah. And a lot of that comes back to being present is that like being in the moment and not in the past and not overthinking and you talked about thinking you talked about thinking about and i you know what did happen and dwelling on the past and then also people thinking about what's coming up and i do i you know i know someone very significant in my life who does who does that you know constantly i'm going to do this and then i got to do that and then i got to do the next thing and they're all they're always on their agenda like meaning their schedule for what's next and what they have to do abc and it's like but just just be where you are. Why are you texting me about what you have to do? Why don't you just enjoy what you're doing now? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not the queen of being present at all. I mean, that was always one of my big goals as an entrepreneur, you know, for the past 11 years. I used to always say, I just want to be able to be present with my kids, meaning not be worrying about, I need to send an email. Oh, and I just need to send this text and I just need to post on Facebook. I wanted to be present with my kids. That was like a huge and I don't just mean be available to them because I don't work nine to five and I, I haven't for, you know, for as long as I remember, mm. but I mean, being actually present, not just available, yeah. not just available to drive them somewhere, but like actually present. And that is an ongoing journey. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, as I said, there's so much that's trying to pull us out, but you're right because it's not, it doesn't matter if we're here or not, if, if we're here, but not here you know, off for our to-do lists and off worrying about something else that we may as well not even be there, right? Because, because we're not here, we're not present. And, and it, it's, it's, it's huge for us, right? And, and especially in our lives as parents. And um, to, to be able to, to, I can't remember exactly what you said before you started talking. What was the, the, the crux of what you asked? <laughs> I've Who lost knows? It. I've being lost present. It. Being, being present. Pres oh, yeah. Be being present with your kids. Yeah. It's like, you know, 
always worrying about the past and always worrying about, ah, oh, okay, always worrying about the past. And all, no, always projecting yourself into the future because mm. what you were talking about so beautifully is classic not good enough belief, right? Not, not being able to be here now, right? Because being here now is so uncomfortable because it's not enough, right? Um, it's not good. It's, it's, you know, I need to be somewhere else because that's where that's where I'll be good enough, right? That's where I'll be enough. And and I and I I read something the other day and I thought, God, that's so powerful. It's like we so, we we start the day from this never enough, right? Oh, I didn't get enough sleep. Oh, I don't have enough time. Oh, I, you know, it's never enough. So we're always projecting ourselves into the future, right? We we when we, we, it's never enough to be here now. And man, when I, when I, when that really landed for me, that that's what's driving, you know, and it, it, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's a big majority of, of the people out there. Yeah. Because not good enough projects us into the future, but not worthy keeps us in the past, right? Because the experiences that happened to us in the past mean that we mean that we're not worthy. So we keep dragging that stuff through. Um, but all of that takes us out of presence. Right, and then and then we're not here, and how simple it is to actually be here, right? When we grab that helium balloon yeah. and we pull it back, and we're here in the moment, and it's so simple. It right? is, and that is such a powerful phrase. What you said, "Be here now." We, when I was uh, in two thousand to two thousand and three, Matt and I worked at Outward Bound as instructors. And that was one of the phrases we used to say to the, the the kids, the students. We would say, be here now. And they had to all hand in their cell phones, which they totally hate, for three weeks. Wow. And we would be like, be like, be where you are, like be here now. But for our listeners, that is a great little mantra for yourself. You know, if you find that the balloon is drifting away, you bring it back and you go, okay, be here now. And you just remind yourself. It's again, it's what Jacqueline said, noticing and then being present. Jacqueline, I want to take us to the, some of the questions I ask all my guests. This is the up your brave question. In the past year, what is one thing that you have done, achieved, or experienced where you truly upped your brave? <laughs> when 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 I was sitting with that, it was like, oh God, that, that's easy. I went to LA. So I went to LA last year and it was it was a big trip. And it was a big trip because I was going to LA to be with a to be at a gathering of people who are the clients of my coach. And I was surrounded by creators. I was surrounded by magicians who are creating absolute magic in their lives. And these are some big players, right? And there's me from New Zealand who, you know, has dived into um, the incredible work that I that I that I'm weaving into what I do, and having conversations with with people who have been living this for longer than I have, right? Which was which was which was beautiful. So I was watching all my thoughts and feelings and things to, that were you know trying to sabotage me, and I was watching them all come up. And it was a really beautiful process to be in that situation. And so the trip to LA for sure, but I, I, I met these two women who are in property and who are in, you know, property development, real estate, and they're doing amazing things around communities and around bringing people together because of the isolation and the disconnection that's been happening, happening over the last few years, right, which has become very, very clear. 
and I have ha had an I have an idea of something that I want to create. And I went over and I said, right, you, I, I want to talk to you ladies. And this is my idea. And here it is. And I just kind of laid it out in front of them. They were like, wow, that sounds really interesting. We want to be involved. And I was like, cool. <laughs> so there was some serious, you know, up, up, up my braving in there. And, and even just leading up to the trip, I was tracking myself because there were moments like I didn't book the flights for ages, right? I was watching myself kind of avoiding it. And, and then I didn't get involved in while all the accommodation was being booked. And, you know, and I was just like, wow, this is interesting. Ah, all my stuff's coming up. And, and you know, and I got myself there. I got myself there. I had those conversations. It was an incredible week of absolute next level magic and transformation. And um, and I'm so glad I got myself there. And I'm going to go to Africa and do a very similar thing in August this year. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's all go. But yeah. you know what's so fascinating there is remember when we started this interview and you talked about how when you were disconnected and you didn't have those deep connections and look at the people you're with now and look at the depth of the conversation and connection you've got and community. Yeah, it's, it's very different. And, and I mean, this is the deepening the connection with myself has, has transformed all of my relationships, all of them, right? Because this is, this is where it starts. This is the starting point where, you know, we can't bypass this. And when we don't, it, it organically sorts out all these other relationships and you know i mean I've, I've probably said this to you before nat but i'm all about less work right let's just yeah. make make it simpler and that's the simplest way bring it here and it's gonna naturally and organically flow out yeah it works <laughs> in that way yeah. so you're heading to africa um my next question is bucket list what is one thing on your bucket list that possibly the reality check radio up your brave community can help you with well, when when I was talking about this this project that I'm doing in um, that I was talking about in LA, that would be the thing that is kind of like the oh my god, that's really scary sort of thing that's on my list, right? And it's a land project. It's 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 in the conceptual stages, but what it's going to do is it's going to be a a prototype, right? A a a, a, a first. Um, creation of a model for families wanting to live in community, right? Sovereign ownership, I'm talking about, but faster ways to build on land, because I use I, I I I'm also a corporate architect, right? That that that's what I also am. I have to catch myself because my coach caught me. He said, no, you you're not you didn't used to be an architect. You still are an architect. And I want to bring that back in mm. so that I can start to um, create a Wolfpack land project, right? Which is, this is, this is what I, I want to live with creators. I don't want to live. I mean, I know my neighbors in my new house because I made a point of doing that, but I don't want, I don't want to live in a community anymore where I don't know my neighbors. And I want to be surrounded by people that are like-minded. I want to be surrounded by creators. I want to be surrounded by their, their, them and their families and that's what I'm doing. So I guess if I was going to say, you know, what's some, something that, and, you know, your audience could help with that. I'm looking for connections, right? I'm looking for connections around the land project. I'm looking for connections around investors. I'm looking for connections um, to do with faster ways to build, you know, because the ways that we've been building are archaic. So all of that sort of thing, I'm looking for people that are interested in, creating a new way to live on, on land and communities and, um, and different ways of, of building on that land. 
Okay. Well, there you go. You heard it, everybody. So if you uh, if you want to help Jacqueline with that and help her to up her brave and do that on her bucket list, you can get in touch with us at inbox at realitycheck.radio, or you can send us a text. Otherwise, you can contact Jacqueline directly. So Jacqueline, can you let us know where can people follow you and find you online and what else is coming up for you? Yeah, they can find me on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, and Jacqueline Richards Wolfpack is the is the handle. Let's spell Jacqueline. Yes, it's a good idea because it's not spelt in a way that most people know. So Jacqueline is J-A-C-Q-L-I-N and Richards is the way it's normally spelt. <laughs> and then Wolfpack. Uh, so you can find me on Facebook with Jacqueline Richards Wolfback, um, Instagram and TikTok, and email is create at Jacqueline Richards Wolfpack.com. Amazing. And what else is coming up for you in the next, you know, month or so? So I'm about to launch a new ebook on empowered emotion, which I talked about. I'm also about to launch an ebook on empowering our relationship with time. <laughs> which is which is linked right because when we're always out outside of ourselves right and overwhelmed and thoughts and feelings and everything that we've been talking about we never have enough time right there's never enough time to do it to do it to do everything and there is incredible consciousness to empower ourselves in our relationship with time so that's a that's a big thing um I have a program out that I launched, which is all about connection with self, which I've got a group moving through. It's a pre-recorded program, so anybody can 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 jump on that program, and it's powerful stuff. Oh my god, it's just, you know, when I was noticing how how unpresent I was and and still not connected to myself with the depth that I wanted to, that's when I put everything down that I'd been doing over the last two years and said, okay, what's coming? <laughs> what is it what's this piece and and this program is what i got and where it's leading to is my connection with others program which is going to be coming in about in, in a couple of months and the connection with self is the platform for that if you sign up for connection with others you're going to get access to connection with self anyway because it's 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 part, it's it's the level 1 this is the level 2 Awesome. Um, We're going to be so, so super, super connected. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. I've also got a book that's going to be published pretty soon as well. And, and it's all about connection. So there's a theme running here in my world and I think you get what it is. That is awesome. And I think that that's really clear for people around self-connection, connection with self. So I'm hoping that from this interview and of course the other interviews that we've had today, people can feel more empowered about their relationships. So thank you for your amazing insights and your wisdom. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to add? Yes. Okay. The The word joy just, just you know, kept, kept uh, it was like highlighted in, in my awareness as you asked me that question. And it's one of the pieces around empowered emotion because I didn't understand why I wasn't feeling joy, right? Like I was trying to feel joy and I was telling everybody else that I was feeling joy and pretending that I was feeling joy and I really wasn't feeling joy and I didn't know why. And the reason why I wasn't feeling joy is because I wasn't allowing myself to feel those other lower vibration emotions. So we, we, we've got to be able to feel it all, right? We've got to feel the entire spectrum of emotion. 
And the most important thing about allowing ourselves to feel joy, apart from the fact that it's amazing, right? Joy is is the, is a incredibly blissful experience that is nothing like I'd ever experienced before. True joy. Joy is what we need to be able to create, right? It's 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 the it's the emotional correspondent of what we love. And when we're, when I talk to people about creating the relationships that they would love to be creating, not just surviving the ones they've got or getting through, you know, the ones they've got, creating the ones they would love, they need to be able to experience joy. So that's what I got. When you asked that question, it was like opening yourself to joy. And I wrote a little post on it, just a little, you know, quote post. And it was, you know, allowing yourselves to express anger and rage and sadness, you know, it's the gateway to to experiencing joy, right? Who would have thought? I wouldn't have thought that, but that that is that is that is that is um what I've discovered over my journey of empowering myself in how I navigate emotion. And it's an absolute honor and a delight to empower others in that space as well. Oh, that's so good. That's so amazing. And I hope that people are feeling inspired to allow themselves to have these emotions, not just and and not name them good or bad. Um, mm. But you got to feel the emotions and express them like the polar bear shake. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for joining us today. Yeah, you're very, very welcome. It's an absolute pleasure always, Nat. All right. Thanks so much, Jacqueline. And thanks everyone for listening. There you go. It's always insightful and entertaining to talk to Jacqueline. She's got so much wisdom to share. And in case you didn't pick it up, she has a strong focus on parenting as well as empowering individuals and empowering men as well, which is a topic we are definitely going to dive into in a future episode. Jacqueline talks about hashtag parenting from greatness, which is an evolution in the way we raise our kids, where all parents and children see and experience themselves and each other powerfully in their hearts. And I think that is a key to positive relationships, to empowered relationships. You can find out more. You can contact Jacqueline. She is on Instagram and she's also on TikTok as the uh, Wolfpack, Jacqueline Richards Wolfpack. And you can find her also on Facebook. Amazing. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back. We are going to go now to a new segment that we've added, which is a little bit of a sneak peek. Uh, So this week, we're just doing a sneak peek. We're not doing a flashback as well. A sneak peek for next week, where we're going to be discussing the topic of compassionate communication. And this is one of our guests speaking about nonviolent communication, Irma Yeager. Enjoy. If someone is feeling a little bit unhappy or a little disgruntled about something in, in their life with somebody else in their life, what is the best like conversation starter that's going to go in a good direction instead of a bad one? Yeah. Well, I, I will I will keep that question in mind. But what I would love is just to give a little bit of a, an overview because we've used this weird nonviolent communication and you've introduced me as a, as a certified trainer. But I would actually really share with the people who are listening where does that word come from, nonviolent yes. communication? And I use it sort of intermittently with compassionate communication. But, but the word nonviolent communication is something that was developed um, in the 1960s by Marshall Rosenberg. Um, he became dissatisfied with his explanations of human behavior while he was working uh, as a clinical psychologist. 
and he was just he 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 realized that then there's got to be something different and so um fast forward you know a few decades he wrote a book called um nonviolent communication a language of life and in that book he describes both a set of a very practical set of skills to help connect with ourselves and with others um and and that's in a way that values everyone's needs that's basically like in in a nutshell that's what it is about and how i see it is that in our society in our western society we are raised with the understanding that if you have what you need i can't have what i want or what i need there we we i see it all around me all our languaging is about is about lack it's not about abundance and yet when we have the tools to become aware of our needs and and then the capacity to also be aware of yours we can always find strategies that work for everyone but it's not you know it's not how we're raised you know it's the same as if if you think you're right then it must mean that i'm wrong you know we have these these polarized views of the world and um with nonviolent communication we're actually leaving all that behind and we're really connecting first and foremost with ourselves but then also um with you know what's going on for you like we can become curious like oh what what is it what's going on for you and how can i how can i make your life more beautiful so so that practical set of skills um is something that helps us but for me it's more than that and so i i i totally get that you you ask this question like oh what do you do if someone is disgruntled uh, and i can certainly and we we can do a few examples of that but i'd love to share that for me it's it's also a consciousness mm. it it's how i see the world it's how i see humanity and it's it's just what i said it's shifting away from right and wrong and it goes to quite an extreme level like if i if i hear about someone who's been stealing or a, a thief we would label a thief you know i i can build up an enemy image and that's what we do in our in our western society that we then see them as 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 bad and wrong and we put them in a prison and that's it and we dehumanize them whereas i'm longing for a world and there's many nvc trainers around the world that actually work in prisons is to see even the beauty in this man or woman and to see that the strategy of stealing it's a strategy for an underlying need and the underlying need is beautiful always and it it's sometimes a stretch you know especially in those situations but if as long as we don't see those people as real people with with needs as well what happens is they come out of prison and they reoffend because they haven't they haven't actually really experienced what it is and 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 they can't really connect with the impact on someone else if they are not connected to themselves so um so so one well there's there's actually three basic premises of nvc and then then we can go into a bit more of sort of um examples but how i see it is that we're compassionate by nature and naturally enjoy contributing to the welfare of others when we can do so willingly so without any sense of guilt or shame or obligation and now of course if we think back over the last 3 years this hasn't happened and this is why i think so many of us have become very upset and frustrated because there wasn't there wasn't a, an option you know there were demands from like a power over system on us and i sometimes think back like what would it have been if our government had had you know had these skills and had a way somehow set up i don't know through the use of 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 internet to actually connect with the people and say hey what shall we do what shall we do together to have safety in our country 
it would have been so different. But no, it would, have, it, was- it would have been so different. And I love and just coming back to that question that you mentioned earlier. Imagine if we asked, well, imagine if the government asked us, but also imagine if we all asked each other, what's going on for you? And how can I make your your life more beautiful? What an incredible question. And and I really love and appreciate how you highlighted to us. It's not so much about what to say, what not to say. It's more about your philosophy or, you know, your the way that you view humanity and, and people. And therefore that trickles into how we treat them. And then obviously the, the words that we speak and how we speak them. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Huge shout out to our amazing three guests for sharing their wisdom today. It is our hope that you leave feeling more empowered with a few more strategies or tools in your basket so that you can be empowered in all of your relationships. Um, You can send us a message, of course, on 2057, that's the text, or inbox at realitycheck.radio. You can find more about me on my website, which is actually called upyourbrave.com. I am so honored to be here with you and every week on a Friday. So we'll see you next week. And remember to up your brave. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR Reality Check Radio.